0: so wash
1: and i'm andy carr
0: and this is odd trilogies with logan and andy and on odd trilogies we take a trio of films whether tied by numerical order cast and crew or thematic elements and we talk about each film and discuss the good the bad and the weird surrounding them but not today <laughs> today this is our two year anniversary or around so it's kind I think of we're
1: about two days two days early
0: yes so uh the 22nd yeah. of 2020 we had our first episode come out about Bill and Ted's excellent adventure, and so you know, here we are.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Two years later, uh, fifty some actual episodes, and then maybe almost a dozen other kinds of episodes, and like forty some trilogies later, here we are.
0: If you, that was supposed. To, we didn't buy any poppers, so I thought <laughs> a, an opening a can would you be go. close enough. There you go. We didn't. That's, we
1: didn't splurge on a bottle of champagne no so. with
0: this we are we are both in casual clothes because we both worked today and we were just excited to talk about just everything you've sent us and talk about the show yeah. as of right now and what we're thinking about for the future especially what our next episode is going to be but until then you know one of the biggest parts of what we wanted to kind of dedicate this special to is you know last time we had a bit of a poll mm-hmm. that we asked anyone who could just to kind of give us our feedback, what they thought the show should be in the future. And if they had any questions, let us know what they thought about the show and what they wanted to see in the future. We did that again, but instead of it just being a kind of a form you fill out or like a questionnaire, we just said like, hey, if you have a question for us, DM us, we would happily answer that when it comes to our special. Because what better way than to honor our two-year anniversary than just to talk about You know, what people want to know about the show or what people are curious about in terms of what we like, what we want to see in the future, you know. So, let's just jump right into it because you told me that we have about ten-ish questions.
1: Uh, yeah, we have, well, we have, uh, definitely ten that, that, uh... Yeah, ten, ten real good ones, and then we've got some backups in case. Oh yeah, the in case we're we're just flying through or something.
0: Mm-hmm. We got a few backups too, but ag- again, before we go into them, I just want to say we will. I don't know. Did you want to say who sent each question, or were you just um, going to say the questions? Because regardless, I just wanted to say to everyone who sent a question, thank you so much for doing that. We really yeah. appreciate the feedback as well as the collaboration in just talking to our fans in some way, shape, or form through the podcast. Right. And also, if you didn't send in a question, but you're still listening, we still appreciate you listening. Like yeah, you
1: it's it's nice to be interested in. And it's also fun to, um, you know, be, be asked questions that we wouldn't necessarily think of ourselves and, oh, yeah. and think about our own podcast and the movies we love in, in different ways. Um, so we've we've definitely got some good ones here.
0: Oh, absolutely! We'll start them off. Let's let's answer. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay.
1: Um,
0: Basically, an AMA on Reddit. If you've ever yeah, been on Reddit,
1: yeah, that'll be kind of the at least the yeah the first part or maybe the majority of this little special here will be kind of uh, hearing from you guys. So, play the Blues Clues mail time music or whatever. Uh, we don't, com, don't have the rights to that. that, that. Via yeah.
0: com, if that's Viacom copyright. There's no way that's not. <laughs> it would be hilarious if it wasn't because right. I would definitely do it.
1: Okay. Well, um, like I said, yeah, we got a bunch of questions and some of them, like we asked for questions about, you know, the podcast, movies, or our love of movies in general, that sort of thing. Um, So we got kind of a mix of both there, but we'll start with questions kind of about us and about our podcast. Um, Yeah. So uh, uh, first up out the gate is a question from Matt Hurt. Mm-hmm. who is a, a writer and podcaster over at The Obsessive Viewer mm-hmm. and member of uh, the IFJA. Um,
0: Thank you, Matt, for sending in the question. Yeah,
1: and go check out his stuff. It's good stuff. He's yes, been podcasting course. for,
0: like, a lot longer than we have. And, what, three and... years? <laughs> Don't worry. Give it another year. We'll be there. <laughs>
1: um, but his his show's great. I've been on. Hopefully we can get Logan on at some point, and hopefully we can get Matt on here
0: at odd trilogies at oh, some absolutely. point in the future, that'd be, be awesome. Um,
1: so anyway, Matt, your question was, uh, are there any movies that you think would make a great odd trilogy, but you just can't find a third title for? Uh. Um, and these are certainly things that at least I have come across in like adding to our gr- ever growing list of ideas, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's... or sometimes rather than not being able to find a third, it's a matter of being able to chop it down to three because there are more than three movies that could fit in oh, yeah. a trilogy. Like, there'll I, be
0: four or something, you know? And, I feel like the, the answer that I would have to that on my side is it's one of the reasons why, in my mind, if we ever did another version of the show, it would be like a double oddities right, type right. scenario or an odd double feature in that way because it's there are a lot of odd fucking films that are just duologies yeah. or just by themselves but not tied to anything that is pertaining to the trilogies that we are discussing and it's it just and also yeah like andy said there are just there's some films that have just you know we want to talk about them on the show but there's four and <laughs> just one less and right. i mean
1: and in the past we have done frequels and that sort of thing yeah so we, we don't close the door to that kind of thing no, but no no it can be hard sometimes with like a set of four movies or so to determine like okay can we can we really call three of these a trilogy and one an add-on or are they really yeah. like a quadrilogy
0: i guess or... the close the most recent example of that that we probably had was um during the sam raimi filmography situation mm-hmm. we have done all but two of his films <laughs> uh shockwave which is one that came out in the 80s between evil dead one and two yeah and that one's just an oddity in itself because it's co-written by i believe ethan cohen right with sam raimi It is a film that is a a cult classic, if it is even a cult classic in that sense, because I think at the time it was revered as a hated film. (laughs) (laughs) And the other one was, while we were doing the dramas of Sam Raimi as well as modern-day Sam Raimi, there's a film in between uh, For Love of the Game and uh, Drag Me to Hell. And that is 2000's The Gift, starring Mm -hmm. Kate Blanchett, Katie Holmes... It has such a wild cast. It's a weird, odd little film, and we will maybe at one point talk about it in the future, but in terms of like fitting it to everything else, it was just past the 90s drama mark that we didn't really talk about it. It was not involved with (laughs) Spider-Man, and it wasn't really technically that modern for modern Sam Raimi, because it was like 2000, 2001, so... I guess that's like the one of the, I think the most recent situations we had. Yeah, that, or the most uh, like
1: tied into what we have done. Certainly. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, we, I feel we've like, I mean, we're kind of we've kind of made a habit of being sort of completionists with regards to <laughs> directors' filmographies. So I wouldn't oh, yeah. be surprised if we circle back and get those two in a in a frequel or two at some point.
0: Oh, there's definitely um, there's there's been several trilogies that we have tackled that are gonna get at least a th- fourth entry in some oh, way shape or form yeah.
1: that, like there there have been trilogies on our list i'm trying to think of one oh well we did at one point have um the jackass trilogy on the list and then of course we weren't quick enough out. and four came out and we're yeah. like oh well <laughs> there it <laughs> oh, well. is yeah um but yeah yeah i would say definitely the the best example of a twofer and needed a third is that that those last two films of Raimi's filmography
0: oh yeah uh but yeah, thank you for the question. That is yeah. that is definitely something we have run across several <laughs> times.
1: Um, let's see. Next one is from Nick Rogers, uh, writer over at writer and editor over at the Midwest Film Journal. Thank you for the question, Nick. Yeah, um, Nick r- uh, asks, "What's an odd trilogy that might be too odd, meaning that you're unsure if you're if you could persuasively connect the dots in an episode?"
0: So I have i saw this question and i have thought about this a little bit yeah and the thing is is weirdly enough i don't think i have an answer per se that i think i have like a pseudo answer in terms of like personally i do not think that if we can find a way to make it a trilogy i don't know if even if it's is completely weird and artsy and to a degree that is even difficult for us to understand initially, I still think we could handle it. I think, to me, the trilogies that would be so difficult to connect with would be the ones that w- us connecting with emotionally. And in my mind, those trilogies would be, <laughs> like, DCOM, like, Disney Channel original movie films that are, like, way past our time. Oh, sure. So, like, we okay. we've talked about, like, we have a specific we have a certain caveat in terms of if we did the Descendants trilogy. Oh, right. But we would never do that just the two of us. Because here's the thing. my Both my sisters were born in 2001. My brother was born in 2004. <laughs> They're still, they were, even though like High School Musical felt like, you know, a little bit older for them, it wasn't. It was yeah. the perfect time for them as well. And by the time something like Descendants and – Zombies happened. Both those trilogies are just, like, way past them. So if we did films like that, those are the only types of films I feel like would just be a barren wasteland (laughs) of just, like, we are trying to find something here to bring back to the show. And it's going to be hard because neither one of us (laughs) are connected in any way to this. Yeah. Like, duology-wise, like, for the last question, like, if something like Camp Rock. Even that, like, I have very little connection to it, but, like, my... My sisters, at least I know one of my sisters was like into the first film. Right. So it's like there's a little bit of connection there. Yeah. It's kind of one of those if
1: if we did it, we'd be doing it for somebody else.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Like we, when we did, when we were doing all the watch throughs for the Aladdin trilogy, we discovered that a Disney Channel original trilogy called Zombies got all the way to a third film. And I had kind of was aware of zombies in terms of just like a, this is fucking insane and weird that this exists. So it certainly would work with an odd trilogies angle. But the thing is, is we both looked at each other and tried to joke about, oh, we could do that. And neither one of us could muster the actual <laughs> joke because you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. Because at a certain point, it is two guys in their late 20s talking about a, a trilogy that is not even close made for them. Yeah. So it'd have to be... So in my mind, Nick, when it comes to like trilogies that is like... Too difficult to handle or hard to connect in some way shape or form i think those would really be like those types were the ones where we couldn't connect if we didn't really connect with them emotionally how do we make our audience connect with them emotionally so right
1: yeah well and uh, yeah i guess my answer to that would be like some of the um and we have a question about this later so i'll get into more detail later but um we do have like a, a super long list of ideas that we've yes. put together and many of them are you know trilogies that other people widely mm-hmm. acknowledge yes um or official trilogies and that sort of thing um and then there are some of them on the list that are kind of like we sort of brainchilded them um, kind of like oh this is an interesting concept across these three movies or you yeah. know these two people work together on these three movies whatever well the nick um,
0: cage trilogy was kind of your own doing sure. to a degree yeah
1: yeah um that that one yeah was certainly a little bit uh, more of kind of a, a concept rather than like a pre-established trilogy of some yeah. sort um so we do have some others kind of like that um one that kind of comes to mind that like I don't even think we've necessarily talked about, but it is on the list and we've both like looked it over. Um, but I just kind of came up with it off the top of my head uh, was the, uh, the driver or what uh, way to me. call it the literally me trilogy, yeah. um, which would be uh, the or least samurai, the French film from 1967, the driver from 1978 and drive from 2011, which drive is essentially like a loose, adaptation of those two previous films from my understanding or is heavily inspired by according mm-hmm. to um what's his Refn. name Refn yeah mm-hmm. the guy who directed it um but that one is like you know we, not that we couldn't tie it together but it would be a little bit more difficult of an entry point as a listener to be oh. like oh yeah this is something i can get into yeah we, it's um, called
0: on on our spreadsheet that we have with all of our possibilities it is literally called literally me because it's <laughs> to a degree it is a meme it's a meme trilogy yeah.
1: it's a meme of yeah if you're not familiar it's a ryan gosling meme where he basically plays broken stoic people and men yeah. on the internet look at his characters and like oh my gosh he's literally me it's it's um, too
0: it's to guys that say kino unironically <laughs> yeah. like it is it is to guys like that what like spike spiegel and like Berser- guts from berserk is yes. to like people who are into anime and manga like it's like ryan Gosling's character and drive is such not a, a role model in any way yet of course the meme is constantly right right that he is the ideal man
1: um so yeah, the the, the that is the, a good
0: choice. I I thought you were going to bring that one up, but I yeah. constantly forget the you put that one on. The list. <laughs>
1: and uh, we have a couple others on the list that are kind of in that vein, mm-hmm. um where like we sort of came up with them or or whatever um that yeah, th- those are the ones that most often to me like I look at it on the list and I'm like god that'd be cool to do. Mm, maybe not right now because we <laughs> we have to kind of figure out how we're going to like put that concept into words and articulate that to people. So it's really, for me, it's those ones that we kind of fabricate ourselves or kind Uh of draw the threads ourselves that take a lot more work to put into or like to make into a trilogy and Mm -hmm. to sell to the audience that way. So, yeah. (laughs) Next one. Okay. Um, This one is from... Mitch Ringenberg, also a writer over at Midwest Film Journal. Um, And he says, how do you guys typically come up with a trilogy idea? Do you just have a long list of movies you want to watch and go from there? Yes. Uh, Yeah. Do you ever cover movies you expect to hate? Yes. Yes how do you go from bong to aladdin you have a very eclectic <laughs> array of trilogies and i'm just wondering what the process is like
0: oh the the, the three process i mean the three kind of the three process. the three patterns that we have are first question is there anything that's coming out recently that we right. could make a trilogy that could tie to it without feeling like an advertisement right where it's like something like you know one of the reasons why we want to do Park Chan Wook and we're going to do him by the end of the year is because he has a new film coming out this year. Yeah. And so, like, that's, like, a possible thing we could do. Also, other times, one of the reasons why, Mitch, we go from Bong to Aladdin is because on Rise of Bong, while I love two out of those three films, two, one of those films... <laughs> is really fucking sad. <laughs> and it's one of those situations where we'll both look at each other and be like, do we want to do something?
1: I can't do that again. Right we, now? Yeah,
0: no, not yet. Maybe yeah. have something lighter yeah. and easier in the middle that, like, if, if it's bad, it's an easy bad to describe. Or if it's, like, yeah, I mean, it's... Yeah,
1: a lot of it is, like, from one episode to the next, gauging our own ability yeah. to, like... Yeah, kind of, kind of navigate the the depth of critique that we're gonna have to bring to a trilogy. Yeah. I mean, we, tr- I, I think you know we both try to, you know, bring a, a thoughtful analysis to every trilogy we do. Oh, for but sure. But some trilogies demand more from you as a viewer and a, yeah, you know analyst than than others. And so, yeah, it's kind of a matter of managing both our schedules, because yes. sometimes we don't have a lot of time, mm-hmm. um, and our kind of <laughs> mental or emotional capacity for digging into a movie trilogy.
0: Yeah. I, I The third pattern would definitely be just looking at the spreadsheet and being like, we have, in our spreadsheet, we have a rating system to make yeah. it easier for both of us in terms of how much we're engaged with this idea, how much, you know, they... Andy might not be engaged, but I am, or vice versa. And, you know, sometimes when we could just pick something else to tie in with, you know, a recent release or something else, we just look at our list and go, like, yeah, we've wanted to do this for a while. Fuck yeah. it. Let's just do this. And I'd yeah. uh, say that the an honorary version of that, too, pattern-wise, is availability. Uh-huh. It's a big part of it. It's, yeah. it's uh, when you do something like, you know, we wanted to do last year Wong Kar-Wai. Still on the list. We're really excited <laughs> to do Wong Kar-Wai. Uh, Very hard to find his stuff, uh, streaming-wise, unless you want to buy the very expensive but very pretty, and I'm very jealous if anyone has it, (laughs) Criterion Wong Kar-wai collection. Right. And so, like, you know, something like that. Or, like with Park Chan-wook, we wanted to do all three of his films, but ironically enough, Old Boy, I assume because the distributor hasn't picked it back up yet for (laughs) streaming or something, but you cannot watch Old Boy via streaming. right. So it's one of those things where it's just like, you know, we will not lie. Having like finding a trilogy that is all on HBO Max or all on Netflix or all on Amazon Prime like does kind of help in terms of like, are we interested? Yeah, kinda. Is it easy for us to get access to? Yeah, right. I mean, sure. Why right. not?
1: Um, and yeah, I mean, even <laughs> to to go back to an earlier part of the question, do you um, ever come or, or do you ever cover movies you expect to hate? Yes. Um, yeah. Sometimes we're not really interested, at least like in terms of the movies, the, like the movies as individual pieces of entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do think, but like we think, there's an interesting story to tell there. Um, I mean, like, we, like, like best example I can think of that is like uh, the Nutcracker trilogy. I, that's the, the first odd, thing that came yeah, to my mind. too. That was probably the most, at least for me, the most difficult on average to watch and to talk about all in one go was just like i i am not enjoying these i don't have a lot to say about them and this is a a chore nothing nothing Um, was
0: more of a peaks and valley experience like a (laughs) roller coaster ride than going from barbie nutcracker to fascist nutcracker to nutcracker in the four realms which goes from like we had so many options in terms of that first film, and you know, we had so many people around us that were like, Yeah, no, give this a chance, it's still good, I promise. And we watched it, and it was <laughs> fucking Barbie and the Nutcracker. Yeah, it's a, I had nothing it's a really we should DOD film
1: for young yeah. girls, like,
0: and then the next film is is it 2012 Nutcracker? I think is when it came out. Uh, yeah. Is literally one of the only times out of the hundreds of films we've watched oh. where I think I have fallen asleep and I cannot remember <laughs> specific parts of that film. Yeah, Because it gets to a certain point where it is astoundingly bad to a hilarious degree at the beginning, and then you realize it is two hours long and it cannot keep that momentum in a so-bad-it's-good way. Yeah, So it gets boring really fast. Yeah,
1: like the first maybe 40 minutes of that movie is like, Insane. bad in a really weird oh, way it's insane um, that's compelling and then it just goes stale yeah. and then um, and then
0: nutcracker on the four realms is lukewarm is right, toast? Yeah, like it a, is i do not hate that film no. but i have no interest or no reason to ever go back to it yeah
1: so it was just a just a trilogy with not a lot of silver lining
0: <laughs> or something like jurassic world where it's like to be sure. completely honest Fallen Kingdom is the only one that I enjoy, but that is also to a degree in an ironic sense. Yeah, in more of a tinfoil hat way, because I feel like <laughs> it's made to be that silly and dumb because yeah. that whole trilogy is unnecessary. Right, and that was a slog because we started with literally the worst film in the series, and it yeah, didn't get that much better.
1: Oh yeah, going going we, from yeah, Dominion we to the with original. Dominion, yeah,
0: because we saw Dominion at a press screening before we watched the other two. Yeah. We watched them. And, Jesus Christ, nothing really got us amped to watch the other two, like, watching the worst film first and being (laughs) like, well, I guess we have to go back to Um, World and Fallen Kingdom.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, generally, I mean, even with movies, like, when we decide on a trilogy and I'm looking at the lineup and I'm like, you know, I've either seen these movies before and don't really like them or I'm not expecting to like them, usually it's still not that much of a problem because... More often than not, we watch these movies together. Not always. Schedule doesn't always work out. It depends on the schedule, yeah. Yeah, but we often do watch them together, and usually, like, even the less enjoyable movies are a fine viewing experience because we're chatting about them the whole time. I would have
0: never wanted to watch Space Shim A New Legacy again by myself, (laughs) so I was very glad that I could be there for your first viewing of that awful film. Yeah. Yeah. But then there's, on the flip side, there's situations like Tromeo and Juliet. Right. Where I I did not you have hate an appreciation that experience. For it. I, I just couldn't help but watch it and be like, wow, I'm seeing people that are in big budget films now. This man is Weasel and Rocket, <laughs> and James Gunn has veered off into something so much better in every way. Like, good for him. But at the same time, you were just like, on paper. This is dog shit in every way, and I'm not having a good time. Yeah, yeah
1: but that, I yeah that one was very much for me like a 12 year old directing a movie like
0: <laughs> it's a trauma film. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly um... <laughs> what. <laughs> so yes,
1: we do we do cover movies that we expect to hate. Sometimes we prove ourselves wrong, I, uh, but you know, usually usually when we do watch movies that we expect not to like, it's because we think there's an interesting thread there to pull on. And yeah. usually we're right about that. I think some occasionally, mm-hmm. like with the Nutcracker thing, we've struggled a little bit to find like a compelling thread. Yeah, the, the but thread like for that was the thread wasn't... is just the theme.
0: Yeah, and I mean the thing too is I think we've addressed this before in previous episodes, but we've never, both for the show and outside of the show, never really want to go into a film thinking we're going to hate it. Right. Like we try to give it a film as much slack as possible. Even something like Romeo and Juliet, we try to be as optimistic as can be that was one however I
1: didn't expect to hate
0: honestly <laughs> i didn't i did not expect it to be two hours and that really oh, does change yeah. everything about that film yeah. but ultimately you know a spade is a spade if it ends up you're watching something and you're just not enjoying it and you kind of are like Ah, oh, i guess i should have expected this yeah. then it just kind of ends up that way like yeah
1: i would say i mean i definitely i definitely from depending on the movie, I have, you know, expectations in a sense. I, yes. I will expect yeah. that I'm going to enjoy something or that I'm going to hate something. Um, but, yeah, I think you and I both make a concerted effort to, you know, okay, when you're sitting down watching the movie, you take it on its own terms, you try and see it for what it is, mm-hmm. whatever you were expecting. I No matter what I expect, I always hope that a movie is going to be great. Like, I never go into a oh, movie yeah. wanting it to be terrible because I don't want to have a bad mm-hmm. time. I yeah. like movies, and I want to have a good time watching movies. Oh my movies. god! Yeah. Um. So yeah, the
0: expectations might be
1: there, but we're we're always rooting to be impressed.
0: I think. <laughs> I, I mean, I think both in our personal and professional worlds, like there are people who think that because of how critical we are, we do have a sense of just like nothing can entertain us anymore. Oh yeah, you don't and like anything, is, and that is never the case. Again, <laughs> I will stress. Th- I will stress this as much as possible. We both are watching the Marvel stuff. Very consistently and enjoying it pretty consistently. I also love the Fast and Furious films, excluding Hobbs and Shaw, <laughs> and like the first three films. Like we can love silly shit yeah. and blockbuster stuff, and also the indie stuff, and also trash. Like we we just want to have a good time watching a film, and if it if it is a bad film and we're having a good time, we can't lie and say right. You know,
1: Fortunately, I don't think. I'm trying to think. I don't think on our. In any of our episodes, we've had any, like, extraordinarily hot or contrarian takes, like, with well beloved movies where we've been like, yeah, this one's just terrible. <sighs> the, the closest thing I can think is, like, I'm not nearly as high on Spider-Man 2 as the rest of the world is. Yes, we did have I that conversation. I still convers- like the we movie. We had that conversation. But I'm not... Yeah, but I, I often often am labeled a heretic <laughs> for my takes on Spider-Man 2.
0: But at the same time, too, that film was 20 years ago. Yeah. And that film has had... those. The Raimi films have had so many peaks and valleys of, like, they're the greatest, greatest, greatest heroes of all time. No, they're the worst ones. Ah, yeah. It's kind of always in the, in the the in the loop in a weird way and... It's one of those things where it's like, someone has said that. <laughs> right, right. That's kind of what I, with most people, where it's like, I don't want anyone to ever think that, you know, I'm going to say something that, like, no one else has ever said. It's like, chances <laughs> are, unless it's very specific and very odd, most times mo- you're not alone on your kind of opinion. Yeah. Like, we, uh, we're we not trying to out her on this, but, like, you, I mean, your girlfriend is not a big fan of the f- Toy Story films.
1: Oh, yeah. Emma hates Toy Story. Yeah, And, 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 and we'll it's like, hear from Emma in a minute.
0: Yeah, but like with 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 that, Emma has explained why she doesn't. And even though that is could be considered a hot take, you can understand once she explains it why she doesn't like them. What we
1: can't understand is why she loves Brave so much. Oh, that's, that's unexplainable. Fun. One of the universe's great mysteries. I feel like
0: there's a part of Emma that doesn't want us to find a way to put Brave into a trilogy, <laughs> so it would force us to talk about.
1: What do we talk about? The the worst three Pixar movies.
0: Oh my god. <laughs> No, we already talked about the worst one. We already talked oh, about Cars well, 2. that's true. We can't, could just have it in the up. trilogy and just, like... I wonder I could... if
1: we'll ever find an excuse to do that, to to watch a movie again as part of a different trilogy.
0: There's, we, I think there have been a couple times on our list where we're like, we do have a cross, and we kind of yeah. we have to pick which we, one. We've got two ideas that
1: involve the same movie, and we have to choose one or the other. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, um, thank you for those questions, Mitch.
0: Yeah, thanks, Mitch.
1: Um...
0: I like how you used eclectic. It is like that's a good way to describe just <laughs> well, yeah, if how you look sporadic. Through
1: our lineup, it's like there is, except for like spring of Raimi and like holiday time, there yeah. is rarely like a clear pattern to what we're doing. No, no, and, I, and really, what it is is the pattern most of the time is yeah, we're trying to tie into something recent, or we're just um, trying to find something we we're think just is interesting, trying to do something that's
0: fun. Yeah. yeah. Um,
1: okay uh next one from emma this is my girlfriend emma
0: thank you for the question girlfriend emma <laughs> uh
1: she says do you guys have any recording rituals
0: oh i mean
1: i mean do the blood sacrifices count or is that just like our are, <laughs> well, are we just getting into like weird personal beliefs at that point
0: i think we'd that i think that's a religious thing and i don't yeah. know if we have to really talk about it over on okay. mic okay but... well you
1: can edit that out yeah
0: you uh, can uh, fix it I, in post I guess it just depends. I think any kind of rituals we have, we just pretty basic. Just talk yeah. through, like, the the points that we need to get across in terms of, like, news, what the next episode is, you know. Try to keep it at a certain length, which, you know, as you've listened to our episodes, sometimes doesn't work. Right, yeah. uh, testing the mic. Yeah, yeah no, nothing really.
1: I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess the only things I could think of would be, like, I mean to to paint a picture. Our uh, recording studio looks a lot like the offices in Wolf of Wall Street. So there's a lot of like cocaine and yelling at each other and throwing uh, little people at goal goal or dartboards. You know,
0: I just do a really good job of editing that out. You just don't hear any of the background noise when it happens. Yeah,
1: Um, but no, I, I think we're pretty boring. In terms of like weird things we do for the to prep, the, the, it's really just talking through what we're gonna like. I we talk th- about oh, are we gonna reveal the next episode or not? Are we gonna have a cold yeah. open or not? How long are we gonna
0: do this? <laughs> I think the weirdest thing we've done is a pre ritual. If, if we've done it for like really bad films where we like have alcohol on hand, but oh, like sure. I think the funniest thing, and it feels so tone deaf, but like we even talked about it on the episode, just like it just felt. Like a silly thing to do, just making uh, a Whip Whitaker special because, like in mm-hmm. in Denzel in Flight, at a certain Incredibly point it but... gets two shots of vodka with orange juice, and it wow, just that's the that's the crux of the movie. Right? Yeah, it there really is. is. The, it, it changes his, it changes the whole process in terms of his yeah. recovery or lack thereof. But like, I was just like, I guess we could. I I could make I like making screwdrivers I guess we make an extra strong one
1: yeah I guess that would be one thing yeah we we occasionally imbibe on the air but
0: that's kind of rare we don't we don't tend to roll it but sometimes we're we're gonna (laughs) I'm gonna roll it gonna roll it Um, Uh, but no yeah it's it's pretty standard stuff because to be honest too when we get to usually record it we don't want to we don't really want to dilly dally too much we just kind of want to make sure we get everything we need and get right into it because it's usually Thankfully, we're amped to talk about whatever we're talking about most times. Yeah. So, yeah. But thank you, though. Maybe we'll think about other ones other than blood sacrifices that we will not discuss later on this episode.
1: (laughs) Um, Okay. Uh, Next. Let's see. Um, Oh, here's another one from Emma. Uh, (laughs) What trilogy are you most excited about in the future?
0: Uh, I mean, do we want to give away more... Than just what we're gonna do next. Um. Well, I mean, certainly we don't really
1: have anything. We have one. Other th- nailed down. Oh, okay. we, have we have one, one other thing, thing which down. we don't need to give that away, but. Um. <laughs> You know, I mean, we do have we, our we do have our list of potential yeah. trilogies and some of them are rated very highly in terms of interest. So, I don't know if you have like a personal favorite you want to do
0: sometime. So, I mean, I, I we we I won't give it away, but the one that I'm thinking of and that Andy will not say out loud, which I understand cuz it's fun. It's much more fun to have it be a surprise. Sure. But we do have a Nutcracker-esque trilogy <laughs> that we're planning on doing later this year and yes, it does involve three of the same story and better yet it's three of the same story that's coming out the same year yeah
1: three 2022 adaptations (laughs) of of the same story story.
0: and it's one of those things where like i looked at it and i was like this could really also be just a roller coaster of a mess (laughs) watch through rise but it's it's so hard to not do it yeah especially with one of these films in this trilogy it's just become it became straight meme material even before the film came out. So it's like, yeah, we got to do it. But you'll you'll find out later in the holiday season because that'll be... A Dece- I think that's our December. That might be our Christmas. Yeah. I think it's yeah. our Christmas thing. It'll be our last episode before... Yeah.
1: yeah. One of um, our Christmas episodes. Yeah. Uh, the... I, I'm kind of looking over our, our rankings of perspective ideas and there, oh, there is one that has kind of consistently remained at <laughs> or toward the top that like <laughs> neither of us and on any given episode, neither of us have ever suggested we actually do it for that episode. It's yeah. just kind of one that floats out there because it's probably going to take a lot of kind of effort to discuss oh. and
0: interpret. Oh God.
1: Um, but there's one... Uh, It's a trilogy of Charlie Kaufman films. Oh, yes. Um, Oh, God. Charlie Kaufman, the screenwriter and (laughs) director who is kind of known for having very heady scripts. Um, Yeah. He makes movies that are kind of in this vague subgenre of film called Metacinema, where it's kind of like movies Mm -hmm. about movies or about storytelling or about the kind of abstract con He likes to write about screenwriting. Um, yes. He's, and so uh, he, he has a trilogy of films that are all three meta-cinema that would be really cool to do. It would just probably have to come at a time where we don't have a lot else going yeah. on in our lives, yeah, and we're just like, yeah, let's sit down, watch these, hash it out, Maybe do some homework. Mm-hmm. You know?
0: There's there's also a trilogy that we have on there that could literally be its own podcast in terms of just like because oh, it's yeah it's not three films it right. is it is something that I suggested pieces. yeah it is it is a, a film it's it's three seasons of a TV show right. and a film and it is something that like oh that doesn't sound like a trilogy well <laughs> yeah it technically could be considered as such and it is again. A loose definition, but the way that it was released. Yeah, the way that is the way that it tonally kinda of works, it feels like a perfect kind of trilogy thing, except yeah. for the fact that it is like
1: hours and hours long.
0: I think the first the first quote unquote entry in the trilogy would be like twenty four hours yeah. at least to get like get through. And then the so, last one is like nineteen hours.
1: Yeah. So we would at least that one would probably need to be an extended special or a two parter or a three parter or something. We would um, have to
0: dedicate a lot of
1: yeah, time. Yeah, it would have to be the season of this thing. Kinda kind of, kind of like we did for seasons. Raimi. You know, yeah,
0: <laughs> it would be so seasons. much time.
1: Um, so that's something we'd love, that's kind it'd of be a, a lot far of fun, off. fun though. It's a, a far of off fun. goal, but we'd both like to do it at some point. Oh yeah. It's um, it'd be same for fun. the, that medicine. It's not Riverdale. Kaufman.
0: If anyone's thinking that right now, you know, no. yes. get that out, get that out of your head. It is not that show. How would
1: show. we trilogize that? We <laughs> couldn't.
0: And that's yeah, the best part. That's yeah. That's really I don't a need blessing. I guess occurs. it could be, no, cause there's now I think four shows in the Riverdale universe, which great. Good for that. Oh God. Um, yeah,
1: so those are t- two things we're very excited about, but no yeah. promises on when we'll do them.
0: No, that's that is definitely like uh, we will sit down and talk about it many times before yeah. we fully commit. I would I would expect
1: to get those from us before we before we you know pack this all in and call you know let the sun set on the odd trilogy's empire, but other than that, no promises.
0: Yeah, so before like the thirty sixth year, maybe right. we yeah. might get it. Not 37, 36. Mark it down on your
1: calendars. (laughs) Um, Okay, next question is from Nathan. Um, Thank you, Nathan. Yes. Uh, He asks, which trilogy, presumably which trilogy that we've covered, has the best director? Oh. Or, I guess another way to ask it, and I hope this isn't changing the meaning of your question, Nathan, but which trilogy is the best directed? So... Mm uh that one is that's a bit of a thinker super um, difficult
0: because i think the thing too is like most of the films it seems like the couple trilogies that come to my head there's at least the one that is like ah that's just a tad off a tad it's off. not fairly well
1: perfect. okay now that i now that i've seen one i'm like this has to be my answer well, but it i'll it let the, you is think it before yeah
0: i mean that's the thing is like if we're talking director wise it's not in my opinion that we've Covered better directors than Linklater, in my opinion. And I really like right, Linklater, right as as but directors in general. But in terms of the trilogy, a cohesive, itself, better directed trilogy. Yeah, no, no, it's way. the Before trilogy. It's by yeah. by far a trilogy that like, I mean, Inter- yeah, it's I, it, it's 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 effectively perfect. Yeah, like, I th- I think we're, we'll talk about this later because we we want to talk about more about our favorites and our least favorites yeah. about the, in terms of trilogies in general. But like that is my favorite personally yeah. Yeah. just because of like it was such the, a good experience yeah the and yeah, it was an experience that like neither one of us had ever seen the films but we had heard all the buzz right we watched them together and it was like almost like the perfect timing for seeing all them and it just felt right in terms of just like damn this is so good damn this is so good i don't know and again by the time we got to the before trilogy we had a couple film trilogies that were like okay Usually, one of these films is a tad wonky. Yeah. So, wonder if this last one will be that. And fuck no. no. None of those films. It is the tightest drum we have beaten, trilogy wise, yeah. yeah, this entire sure. time. And it's like.
1: And, like, I don't know that we'll. In terms of, like, a single director, I don't know that we'll
0: hit that level of cohesion and balance
1: of just stellar quality all across unless we did something like the lord of the rings trilogy which we don't really want to do because that's like the least odd trilogy in existence
0: yeah yeah it's it's those (laughs) those are three of the greatest films of all time right and it's considered one of the greatest trilogies of all time and it's understandable why it's one of that there's not much else to really add to that and
1: but yeah i mean i guess if we're gonna frame it like who is the best director who has been featured on an episode of Odd Trilogies, that's maybe a little tougher. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's because... Because we've talked about a lot of different <laughs> well, yeah. directors.
0: Because recency bias, I'm going to say Bong Joon-ho. Sure. Just because I love... Uh, just more in terms of like the amount of the filmography I've seen of each director we've talked about. Again, Sam Raimi is one of my favorite directors of all time. But Bong Joon-ho is just a director that I... I'm excited to see what he does 20 years from now yeah. because it just seems like he doesn't do a film every other year. He generally seems to just take his time with all of his projects, and even even with like his first film and like Snowpiercer or Okja, where they're not entirely perfect films, you see a spark and you see the talent that's in there. Yeah. And you can't help but kind of like respect and appreciate what is being attempted
1: yeah his movies even the not quite as good ones are just so layered and interesting to peel apart yeah on different levels so
0: but that's I definitely mean, a good one I, I think second to that would also probably be because she's so early on there's not much else but the three films we talked about but chloe zhao yeah. love the three that we watched of her in terms of like potential what she could be doing in the future right and the fact that she could be doing another Eternals film is insane because it feels like she has so much more that she could be doing, but if she wants to do that, more power to her right. because I think she is such a talent and so just just a, a ferocity in such a chill way. Like you wouldn't you wouldn't call her style ferocious if you watched any of her films, but no. you just feel the passion. Yeah. In such a heated way that it's just like, God, she's so good at what she does. Yeah,
1: she's kind of, yeah, she's voracious <laughs> about kind of absorbing and articulating a character yeah. for the viewer. Um, in that vein, um, I'm inclined to bring up uh, Jim Cummings. Uh, not, not that he's yes. necessarily, you know, all across the board, one of the best directors we've talked about, but... He's certainly one of the most exciting in terms of... He's pretty early in his career. He's yeah, got a lot of fire under his uh. belly to, to keep going. Um, and just each one of his projects, although they carry a lot of similarities, kind of show mm-hmm. his interest in stretching himself and doing weird things. Um, and so he's one that like I'm probably the most like closely paying attention to what he does next.
0: Yeah, him yell crying at the funeral on Thunder Road is embedded <laughs> in my brain. Yeah. And, like, going through, like, because we were thinking about, like, you know, d- discussing, like, the films we've seen so far this year and what we could con- consider as our quote-unquote favorites halfway through over the year. And, like, going through the list and just one of the best parts about Letterbox, literally the best part is that it if you just keep up consistently, it reminds you of even the films you forgot you saw yeah. early this year. and. I, it's The year has gone by in a way that, like, I completely forgot we did Jim Cummings in February. Mm-hmm. And so, like, when I saw the beta test, I went, fuck, the beta test is so good. <laughs> like, Cummings is so good. And, Jim, if you're listening, if for some reason you find a way to listen, if, if you were listening for some reason, we would love to have you on the oh, podcast. Oh, man, yeah. It would be so insane. You have to
1: make three more movies, though. That's the requirement.
0: <laughs> <laughs> or just... Or just ask, it was just like, hey, I want to talk for 10 minutes. Oh, it'll yeah. be, It'll be a random give, episode. Give us a give, trilogy you want to talk about. As I, I was gonna say, I oh, honest yeah. to God, that is, that would be like a dream thing to just have oh, a random yeah. kind of, like, actor or director or creator just be like, hey, like, can I see our stuff and be yeah, like, ooh, can I do a trilogy of this? It could be, Oh, God, yeah, if Jim yeah. Cummings said, I want to do the Shrek sequels, I'd be like, fuck it, man. We're doing it as soon as possible. Yeah. Tell me your schedule. Right. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. well, I will and, do whatever and, you want to do.
1: Yeah, um, and so, actually yeah, Jim speak- Cummings
0: is a good choice too. Linklater again, even though sure. he, yeah. he's great. I I mean, he's made one of my favorite films of all time as well, Days Confused. Mm. So it's like, we tend to like, want to talk about just... I mean, that's one of the reasons why we have such a fun time with our rise of trilogies when we pick them is because it's it's just a fun time to just see creators grow and just especially grow into something, uh, just something interesting in a way that is like, you know, I think good for them as well as I think good for the medium in trying to do something different at different scales. Right. Yeah.
1: I mean, at least so far in the directors we've chosen for those kind of rise of things yeah. like the, the, it's just such an easy thread to pull on and it's so kind of clear in watching the films the yeah. the growth across each one that it, it makes it easy and really fun and stimulating mm-hmm. to talk about.
0: Like We do have a trilogy that we've had since the beginning that involves a director and the only three films he's ever done but they are vastly different films in quality and also uh. It's one of those things where, like, we never really want to do a trilogy that's a rise and fall, or the fall of this guy, or something. Yeah, because like we're, we're not like,
1: here to like, no, you know, just we, dog on. No, no, no. A creator.
0: No, but like at the same time, it, it would be. It is a trilogy that we're interested in because it is very three different films that are very, mm-hmm. very weird, and it would just be fun to talk about that. But it's also again it would also, we'd have to toe a line where we're not trying to make it sound like, oh, this guy has nowhere else to go from here. Yeah. So it's, you know, we'll do it in the future, but it and again, it is something that we tend to pick directors that, you know, when we do The Rise, like Andy said, it's just, it's fun not to punch, like punch down, even though there's no, real, we can't punch down <laughs> in this occasion, but like make fun of or kind of critique in a way that is like their personality or their style, right. unless yeah. it really feels like, I mean, there's something yeah. there that could be improved upon I guess sure. like some, something like with gun, where it's like you see Inklings and gun and Tromeo and Juliet but it's very sophomoric yeah, and yeah. nasty and kind of edgy for Ed's sake right. and it's something that he himself has said <laughs> yeah. in the past so
1: um yeah and actually um part of our discussion just now uh is a perfect transition into another question perfect um this one, again, from Emma. Thank you, Emma, for the profuse outpouring of questions.
0: <laughs> Thank you again, um, girlfriend Emma.
1: <laughs> who would some of your dream guests for the show be? And you mentioning Jim Cummings, yes, that would be a perfect guest. She's um,
0: only asking this because she knows. <laughs> yeah, she knows there's
1: one answer that crowns them all.
0: Yeah, the one that it's, it seems the one that started so silly. It all. <laughs> the one that did start it all. and Again, we I talked about it earlier. Like, we wouldn't do The Descendants if it was just us. Right. We would only do it if Boo Boo Stewart was interested. Yes. <laughs> Not, I mean, if anyone else from The Descendants wants to do that trilogy with us. <laughs> Wild, but sure. But, like, we feel like since literally the first five to ten minutes of our tri- of our series, of our podcast, it's just us talking about that man. Yeah. I feel like it would just be a perfect full circle yeah, to have I that don't... man come on and just... Do whatever the fuck he wanted <laughs> yeah. to talk about.
1: Well, and it's like, it's... There's I don't talk really about this even sentence. remember how that joke came to be.
0: It's not even really a joke. It's more well, the fact it was that, like... just like,
1: oh, like we just kept bringing him up.
0: Well, yes, yeah, because we just didn't... And we weren't, I, like,
1: making fun of him. It was just like a, oh, his name came up.
0: Yeah, it was like... Well, because I didn't... I knew... Because we were talking about, like, Twilight came up in a conversation yeah. right before we filmed that... We filmed. We recorded that first episode of the podcast... And Emma just said Boo Boo Stewart, so just naturally, because of course she would, because she's talking about an actor. But I was so yeah. caught off guard because I had no idea that not a, the not character sits Se-
1: frequently in our no. circle. Yeah, no,
0: the character, yeah, the character Seth from the Twilight series. His name, his his real name is Boo Boo Stewart, and I just it caught me so off guard because for a second there I didn't. It just it just like what. <laughs> yeah. It's like didn't that's know what his name. Because like I knew him from other stuff. Like I knew that he was in Descendants. I knew he was in yeah. Twilight and this and that. But like for some reason, I thought it was just funny that like again, I knew who this guy was. I just never knew his name, and I kind of felt bad <laughs> about it. And I just had to talk about just like I keep thinking about his name and yeah. the fact that I just never knew that him.
1: Right. Uh, so yeah, I mean the ultimate payoff for our show and and from its origin would be Mm -hmm. to have boo boo stewart on um yeah and yeah i can't get my mind off of having jim cummings on that would be great that'd be great um i mean i think in general we would like to this isn't like a dream guest or anything but like i think it would be i think we're excited um to start opening up the possibility of guests on the show now. Yes. Uh, we've invested in some equipment that would make that easier and more manageable. Yeah. Um, it's... And, and so, in general, you know, there are people all around the the local film community and friends and family and stuff that we would just like to pull oh, yeah. in. Because a huge untapped aspect of, I think, of the, the concept of our show, Odd Trilogies, is that... Um, you know, we could pull in somebody who has, you know, even if we're not attached to the trilogy, we could pull somebody in who has a particular attachment or oh, particular knowledge. Um, like, for example, what our, our next episode, which we'll reveal at the end of this episode. <laughs> we um, just keep
0: teasing it. We just keep yeah. accidentally teasing it.
1: Um, so, yeah. so it would just be really cool to kind of bring in, you know. People, I mean, just just bringing in anybody would add another perspective and is cool. But like specifically, if we can find you know Mary an interest in a trilogy
0: with an interesting guest,
1: oh yeah, um, would would always be really cool. So we're kind of going to be looking out more for for people we'd like to have on.
0: If there's one thing that like this podcast has yet to emulate, when it comes to like one of my things that I like, what I love about movies, the one thing that I've like, we've wanted to do for a while and finally get to do and I'm excited to do is the sense of community, Mm -hmm. especially when it comes to watching movies together. And even when we can't watch movies together, it's always fun to just kind of have a communal discussion with them. And it's always been fun when we do film, like kind of watch throughs, having other people involved who are not involved in that episode. (laughs) And so it'd be fun to, yeah, it's fun to have a third person there who could, you know, You know, there have been times, you've you've all heard us, where it's like, you know, we think, oh, this movie's bad. Or this movie's good. And there's been very few times where it seems like we're both on vastly different sides of the spectrum. So it could be fun in the future to have somebody who maybe is not only like an encyclopedia of whatever the fuck we're watching, but also can just be devil's advocate in a way, or some way, shape, or form. Right. And just kind of add a third, add a dynamic, basically add some spice to the meal.
1: Yeah, or somebody who has... In a, like a very personal emotional connection maybe it's a you know nostalgia or a childhood thing that we're just missing yeah. it's like that's something that flew by us that, that that person can offer kind of a more visceral perspective mm-hmm. on so i mean, I mean guests in general are our dream guests yeah
0: <laughs> if there's anything that like the april fool special that we did this year really just like yeah got me very excited about it. it's like the possibility of doing more things like that with other people yeah and trying to figure out how to grow as a as a podcast from that because mm-hmm. like that was just a lot of fun even headaches and all when it came to editing that fucking <laughs> episode it was it'll worth be it. better next time oh it'll be better next time that's the We're, best part about stuff yeah. like that it'll be better next time but yeah yeah i guess our answer is our dream guests are boo boo stewart jim cummings and anybody <laughs> <laughs> who wants to be a part of it so thank you girlfriend emma
1: yeah um Okay, I've got some from people that are, like, less about our podcast and more about, like, movies in general or our love of movies and that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. Um, So this is kind of, yeah, this is where we kind of get into, like, Reddit AMA territory. There's one Um,
0: I know that you have in your list that you sent my way because it's, it's a good question and I do have an answer that does tie into the podcast. Yeah, I so, I to If you wanted to go right into Austin's question. Yeah. Which, again, thank you for your question, Austin.
1: Yeah, Austin asks, uh, what's an example of a special effect that didn't work out, but you can respect the attempt?
0: And do you want to go first? Do you want um, me to? Sure.
1: Yeah, this one was kind of a tricky question for me. It's a great question, Austin. Um, but um, I am kind of just because I I think probably because we watch so many movies and I've seen, you know, the gamut of amazing to terrible and somewhere in between. Yeah. um, I have kind of a hard time. uh, I think it's rare for me to come across something like a, a special effect where it, it works or it doesn't work, but I feel opposite about the, the passion put into it. It's usually for me, like if I respect the attempt then I don't really have a problem with the effect, mm-hmm. um, so that was something I struggled with. But the the thing that came to mind as I was kind of looking over our previous movies we've covered for inspiration was um, the latter two films of John Carpenter's Apocalypse trilogy. Ooh, okay. Um, which are uh, Prince of Darkness and At the um, Mouth of Madness. At the Mouth of Madness. Uh, both of those films. Um, certainly stand in contrast to The Thing, which has yes. extraordinary special effects that have stood the test of time. Yeah. Uh, and those films, you know, I didn't love either of those movies. I did, I wasn't massively impressed by most of the visual effects in those movies, but there's a lot of care put into trying and trying to create, like, strange, unique experiences watching a movie oh, yeah. on a visual level. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to put kind of cosmic or ethereal horror into a concrete visual Mm -hmm. um so there's a a lot in those movies that kind of feels dated now and didn't doesn't entirely work um in what it's going for but it's like man i gotta respect carpenter and all the artists involved in this for for Mm -hmm. trying to create something like this so that that I think would be my answer.
0: Nice. That thank I mean I was like if you're about to say what I'm going to say that's going <laughs> to blow my mind. But thankfully that is completely yeah. off the spectrum because in my mind when I initially saw this question, I mean I was thinking about general movie question, but then we were like, yeah, let's keep it podcast related. And then it got really easy because in my mind for this film, this film Didn't need this. This film is clearly kind of a test to see if this animation studio could do this more in the future in a way that could be good. And I do think it can be. But overall, I do think that the attempt to make Ghibli style in 3D with Earwig and the Witch Mm. fails, but ultimately shows that there is a possibility in the future that if they tweak it in certain ways, it could work. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like that film is not good. It is very hard. It is very slow for being like I think yeah. eighty minutes. And I think right. maybe hundred, but like ultimately, it does show that the expressiveness that Ghibli has in two D, in like the classic Miyazaki sense, or even in the other Ghibli films, you get the sense that like you can do that in three D. I just think it should probably not be a television special, and probably be given a bigger budget and more time to kind of yeah learn how to because again like cg and anime is not entirely like alien no like literally this I it mean, is extremely
1: maligned in the community it, yes it's <laughs> one of
0: those things where it's like you have for to fair put, and unfair reasons yeah and i think with uh earwig and the witch un- unsurprisingly when it was first announced it is a television it was a television special in japan but here it was marketed as a film because of course it's ghibli and I don't think there's I don't think Cartoon Network or like Nickelodeon's gonna fucking pick up Earwig and the Witch yeah. to put on their TV. But you know, a lot of people were very like, oh my god, they're trying to get rid of 2D a Ghibli and all that. And it's like, no, they're yeah. Goro is trying to Try modernize else. the company in a way that doesn't take away from its roots, but you know, gives it a possible avenue in the future that if it feels like it's, you know, losing steam, like traditional animation wise, they have another avenue. And while I think Earwig has that potential it's still a bad movie it's still mm-hmm. one of those things where it's like i can appreciate the attempt and i do think there is a chance in the future where they do that again and if they tweak it yeah. get more hard lines honestly just do the into the spider first thing but with ghibli where it's like you just animate them as traditional on top of the cg models yeah i feel like that could work as well
1: right. but it, i
0: think that in my mind that was the first thing that it popped up with when it came to pertaining to what we've talked about in the right. podcast
1: Because, yeah, I I think that's a situation where, and this is how I feel in general, that the issue is not 3D animation. No, absolutely not. Or doing an anime movie in 3D, uh, which plenty of people, you know, all over the internet like to immediately jump on and be like, oh, they used CGI in their anime movie, it's terrible. Um, Because when I think about, okay, the concept of a Studio Ghibli 3D animated film, that sounds fascinating, because yeah. what what i think of when i think of studio ghibli is like the utmost care and detail put into yes. every second split second 100%. frame of animation yeah. and it's like if you put the level of care and detail that they've put into 2d animation into 3d it, Absolutely. there's no end to what that movie could look Absolutely. like i mean it could you know but again be a spider verse thing where it busts yeah. open the realm of of three of
0: animation but but again but it's, then yeah it's, that's
1: not what your wig is they're, no it's it's very clear that much effort in.
0: it's very clear that they're giving it an attempt but they are not fully putting their chips in Unlike like this yeah could be a future
1: and i don't know how much of that is like not being familiar with the landscape of 3d animation or mm-hmm. just kind of you know th- well let's do this one and crap it out kind I th- of thing i think it's what?
0: an i think it's an era where like you know miyazaki's coming back ghibli has like a museum and also like a theme park like i think they're expanding the brand in a way and trying to figure out what are different avenues that not really ghibli can conquer but like you know almost adapt in a way where like again like i said earlier they don't feel like they're stuck in a corner yeah where it's like i would rather have them do a super passionate but flawed 3d animated film than (laughs) like you know a traditional animated film where they're just like, I don't know, fucking make a weird, make a big, make a character with a big nose, I guess that's what the Miyazaki style is. (laughs) I'd rather, I'd rather them try the 3D thing again, but actually put a good chunk of money into it. I will also say a big part of Earwig 2 that I think doesn't work, probably is a lot different in its native language, but the dub is not great. Yeah. (laughs) So it's like, I think that also, if you did 3D animation, you'd also just have to, make sure that if you're selling it overseas that the dubs are just like on point yeah i mean again like as of today there is an anime film that's come that's come out that is like mainly cg 3d and it's with dragon ball super yeah and it's just Which, like
1: and that's the first one that for that franchise yeah and like, that
0: movie looks good because it does. it's pretty clearly you know the they, toriyama style yeah. animated over cg when models they, yeah
1: they kind of put it seems like they put care into trying to make yeah. the 3d emulate the yeah. traditional style
0: yeah but well, the difference tote as well as dragon ball is dragon ball right, <laughs> right. so it has all the money in the world <laughs> to do exactly, shit like that. Panda. but yeah so it's that would be my answer so apocalypse trilogy the last two films for you and for me it's earwig and cg yeah and cg 3d anime and whatnot yeah
1: great, yeah, great we'll thoughtful question that's Austin.
0: a good uh, that's a good question
1: um this one is from Trace, and this is more of, like, I think he's asking for, like, technical insight because he's not sure. Uh-huh. Um, why do most movies make transitions with the music blasting right after there was a soft-spoken dialogue immediately before? Is it to maintain the audience's attention? <laughs> so I think what he's getting at is, like, the extreme difference in volume between, like, dialogue and non-diegetic yes. music sometimes.
0: I, the hardest part about that is that is... That is and I think it's a great question, Trace. I do yeah. think it also is very general because it really is just like... Depends on the films. Depends it's on like, the
1: film, depends on the distributor, yeah. depends on what yeah. format you're watching.
0: It depends on the mix itself. Because right. like there's situations where it's like... With Tenet, if that's if you're wondering why does Tenet have stuff like that, well, that's because the mix is supposed to be obnoxious. In yeah, theaters. it's meant
1: to be chaotic.
0: It's meant to be chaotic, uh, and unfortunately it doesn't work as the way it does. But in other films... Situations like that, like if it's in like an Indiana Jones adventure esque film, sometimes that's like a com- it's basically like a forced comedic beat in a good way, yeah. where it's like oh everything's going right, and then just immediately explosions and whatnot kind of right. shows it, like you know the plan hasn't gone right. Right. It just it, it um, but it yeah. could also be keeping the attention of the audience. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. No.
1: And and Trace followed up with a note basically saying that he struggles with it because he likes to watch. Um, like movies at home loud enough that he can hear the dialogue but then his speakers get blown out by the loud music or the loud sound effects and yeah a lot of that is to our understanding to my understanding a matter of how they mix for for home video Uh, uh, it seems like more and more like especially streaming services i noticed this with disney plus a lot uh it almost feels like it's if not mixed for the theatrical experience it's mixed for like a really robust sound system yeah and if you don't have that or if you're in a small room or mm-hmm. if you share walls with people yeah you're just you're unfortunately stuck with that because what they've done is they've created a very dynamic mix with very low lows and very high yeah. highs I, and and it's designed to be a very you know in-depth and aurally complex experience but what that ends up being for most people with most setups is just kind of overwhelming
0: yeah uh, it's it is it is the answer your question as best as we can it is absolutely it's just the mix especially yeah. home video wise like it's it it also it's it's crazy to say this because it seems insane that this would be the case it does depend on the streaming service sometimes yeah it depends on what you're streaming at and you know sometimes again to bring back tenant tenant in the theater is absolutely obnoxious gave me a <laughs> headache but like, Tenant on HBO Max, it was fucking perfect. I could yeah. understand everything. I heard every noise that Nolan wanted me to hear, but not at eleven. Yeah, it just well, I'm feels right. That,
1: that was like a deliberate change in the mix for streaming. It would not it surprise me. It feels like me. it had to be.
0: <laughs> but like, I I think I have that same problem, Trace. But mainly with horror films. Oh yeah, it definitely happens the, with the
1: shrill violin.
0: It really just depends on which type of horror film, because it's something where it's like with Hereditary midsummer the witch like those films i know they're all a twenty-four, but like i think those films and are deliberately mixed in a way and have the kind of the attention to detail that going home video it's not going to blow out your screen or you're like stare at your speakers but then you have something like the conjuring or you know like Think of, like, Insidious. Insidious is also a great example of that, where it's like, I like the first two Insidious films, but my God, that is a big issue. Yeah. Especially in the home mixes of those films. But, yeah, great question, Trace. Hopefully that helps. If not, please follow up with Andy, and we will try our best <laughs> to yeah, keep answering.
1: Neither of us are, uh, are audio experts. Or, oh God, no. or sound oh, no. recording experts, but...
0: I, I went to school for video production, not audio. <laughs> All my audio friends in college, honestly, just salute them every single time that is just a yeah. hard thing yeah
1: um yeah great question um l- oh not last one um <laughs> but uh, a good one uh, this is from matt hurt again we heard from him earlier thank
0: you again for the question
1: Matt. he asks what movies changed your life whether it be the movie that oh. got you interested in movies oh. or a movie that blew you away or completely changed your perspective on something I think I have one for kind of each part of that—the movie that got me interested in movies and the movie that completely changed my perspective.
0: Yeah, I—I I mean, I got—I got—I got several for that, but you can—you can—you can go first.
1: Okay. Yeah, I've—I've I've kind of pared my thoughts down to to two. So, um, or I guess it's three. But when I think about movies that got me interested in movies, I—I um, I think kind of two things. I think about the year two thousand eight. Um, I was in sixth grade, or I was I was graduating sixth grade. Uh, I was 12 years old, and two movies came out that summer, uh, both superhero films, The Dark Knight and Iron Man. Um, yeah. Both of those films, I liked superheroes and comic books as a kid. I always wore like, Spider-Man merch and had toys of Batman and that sort of thing. Um, but those two movies kind of... Uh, as with a lot of people, hit a lot of the right chords for me, not just as superhero adaptations, but just as entertaining, Mm -hmm. high-quality, emotionally riveting films. Um, And those two, I can like literally remember thinking, like, oh, this makes me want to watch more movies. (laughs) I was (laughs) like, I like this a lot. I mean, I watched a lot of movies and TV as a kid, but I didn't think about them as movies you know yeah was just like stuff that stimulated me and those two movies really felt like oh this is an these are both interests from my childhood that have been turned into something really just captivating and cinematically spectacular yeah they got me thinking about the technical aspects of how they were made and how they were written and that sort of thing um and actually that same year which this probably coincides in sixth grade i did a project we were supposed to do a research project on a specific career and uh-huh. we had to pick a, a specific person in that career to research yeah and i picked steven spielberg for uh. the career of filmmaker or director mm-hmm. um and so i did like that spring a ton of well as much as a 12 year old does research on filmmaking and yes and his life and his career and i loved jaws growing up so mm-hmm. that was a huge part of my life um and so it was kind of like I got all those pieces in place, and then that summer I went and watched those two movies and was like, "Oh, I love movies now." Um, so those two, those two, I, I really cite as like when I started paying attention to movies as movies and the industry and what was being made. Um, of course, it would be several more years till I had anything interesting to say about them, but, um, mm-hmm. and then a movie that I would say changed my perspective on movies or, like, showed me that movies could be more or something uh, was probably uh, Charlie Kaufman's adaptation. Yeah. Nicholas Nicolas Cage film. That. that was, like, probably my first, uh, baby's first indie artsy-fartsy movie <laughs> where it was like, this is some next-level weird shit. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it goes really off the rails and I won't spoil anything because we'll talk about that movie one day. Yeah. Um, but it's just a beautiful movie that really, like, I just one of those movies where you think you know what you're getting into and then it's definitely not that and it's so much more and keeps you thinking about it for months and for a long time I mean that was my favorite movie and it's still a movie that I think about all the time Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm really excited to watch again at some point I I should do that soon but that's one that just opened my eyes to what movies could be
0: I've never actually seen it all
1: the way through yeah.
0: I've known of it for a while, and I know... I haven't the, seen it in a long time. I know the Brian Cox scene. <laughs> yeah, That's because yeah. I read a good chunk of uh, the, the character he's playing, the author he's playing, his yeah. his book story. I've read a good chunk of his book, and Brian Cox is playing that author. And right. <laughs> that whole fucking scene is insane. <laughs> but, yeah, mine is on a different spectrum in terms of, like, I will go as early as can be with... Uh, Just as a child, the films that I watched ad nauseum, I mean, Space Jam I did, but Mm -hmm. I feel like the two, I mean, the three that I could think of are Toy Story 1 and 2, and Who Friend Roger Rabbit. Oh, yeah. I do think that those three films have just, I mean, were encoded in me in a way where my mom would constantly tell people that as a kid, I would recreate... Toy Story in my underwear playing every character in the living room and I would take up the whole living room playing every character.
1: We're going to do that again as the three year anniversary Absolutely, yes.
0: Indeed. Yeah. I'll break an ankle while I'm trying to do do it. But um, I think doing more films that were kind of inspiring and kind of were like, shit, this is something I would love to do in the future. Both talking and writing about films as well as making them is like hilariously one of the first times i think i had that instance was balboa rocky balboa because mm-hmm. like my family in general both my father's side and my mom's side um i watched that was like probably one of the first franchises i watched from front to back where like i had seen the first one i'd seen the second one loved the third one you know definitely seen the fourth one And then it was around when balboa came out i think i watched it one time and like I just I think I was like twelve or thirteen, but I just was like, yeah, just it harkens back to the original film and just like I was talking like a fucking critic about <laughs> this film to the point where everyone's like, settle down Wow didn't really know you liked it that much and then yeah. I kind of realized like, oh shit, I should look more and I should do I do I want to do this? No. do I want to keep doing it? and I think from that point forward it just like you find little things here and there like. In high school, uh, there was a film that I caught on TV once that always caught in the back of my brain that I finally found one random time. I went to a Barnes & Noble, and that's called uh, – it's 1985's Real Genius. It is, I don't think, anyone's favorite Val Kilmer film. It is a teen <laughs> comedy with, like – it's got Val Kilmer. It's got Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah. It's got the asshole from Ghostbusters and Die Hard. It is, it is written, by the, it's written and directed, I believe, by the woman who directed Valley Girl uh yeah and it just it's such a weird and different film and it just was like are there films i was like as, as a kid i was like are there films that are like this <laughs> where they just don't feel like breakfast club or they don't feel like this right. it just feels like its own weird little niche yeah but i think the, the most recent one i think i could think of and i know my parents will probably roll their eyes when they hear this but it, it genuinely was like a good turning point for me but that was a uh, Birdman. Oh, yeah. A lot, that I mean, was huge for me, too. Birdman was the film where it's like, at a time, I was like, w- do I... In college, I was like, do I want to do this? Like, yeah. is it is it like, am I losing... Like, is it was it just always the love of the film, but not really thinking about actually the process of it? Could I do the process? And then I saw Birdman in theaters, and I was like, yes. Yeah. Because I want to recreate for someone else how this film makes me <laughs> yeah, feel. Yeah. And... Film that, makes me yeah. feel the same way too. I mean, it's just it's just such a weird but unique, fascinating, and to my mind, perfect film that just yeah, like I really love that movie. fuels the creativity in your brain in a way that just is like, you know, Andy and I constant like not constantly, but it, we just you know quote it every now and again. And it just like brings back all the love and appreciation I had for that uh, film. Even a line like smells like balls. Oh yeah. <laughs> it really <laughs> just brings back how good that movie is. Uh,
1: but. Yeah. that I mean, that's a movie that like, uh, has, I feel like recently, maybe this is just me spending too much time in like film bro circles, but <laughs> it's kind of gotten this recent wave of like, it's not very good or "oh, it's pretentious or whatever. Uh-huh. And like, that's what those movies i don't care if it's pretentious or if you don't think it's as deep as as yeah. i felt it was like that that experience will always be with me and i'll have it again and again every time i watch it yeah it's it's it's, a,
0: it's such it's a film that feels like it is i can understand the feeling that it's pretentious because it is very abstract yeah, at times yeah it's a Strange,
1: but it's, unresolved movie. Yeah, kind but
0: of. I, I definitely think it's one of those films where when you kind of just like you sit down and you think about what the film is trying to say, it is a very basic, straightforward, tragic human sense. Yeah, it is like it just shows like there are other films that talk about these things, but in a much more straightforward way. Yeah, it just shows the importance of execution as well as creativity. And also performance, because Michael Keaton is uh, a godsend.
1: Well, and that movie was, like, you know, a big moment for his career. That kind of marked his sort of comeback to, like, yeah. superstardom. I mean, everybody, Michael Keaton has always been beloved, of course. But yeah. he, we started seeing him in more stuff after that.
0: Yeah. But, yeah, I think uh, Birdman's probably, I mean, besides that, I'm trying to, I think every year there's at least a film that like kind of like makes you go fuck. Ah, uh, it's gonna stick with me that, for years. Yeah. yeah, I mean like you know I think 2016 that was Arrival. Uh, you know these last couple years, um, I'm thinking of Ending Things is yeah, a more recent thing that yeah. was a film that kind of stuck with me, and then last year, uh, God, what the fuck was last year for me? <laughs> I'm just trying to think um, of it. Uh, oh, Drive My Car. Yeah, I mean Drive My Car is definitely up. Drive My Car is definitely up there, but I was not my. My number one. I'm trying to think what my number one was. Ah, it's fine. Um, But uh, but Green Knight. Green Knight. Oh, Green Knight. Green Knight was that. But like...
1: Yeah, really every year there's like... I would say for me almost consistently there are one or two movies every year that just like are forever going to be filed away into kind of my like mm all-time movies. There's a lot of movies I love every year, but like there's usually... One maybe two that are just like, yep, that's top tier. Going in the S tier slot yeah, one for me.
0: Of, I mean, one of my fa- one of the reasons why I love filmmaking and love art in this kind of sense, especially visual art, is like one of the best parts about finding films like that that are S tier is like it's basically going back into your Webster's dictionary in your brain and going okay, I'm going to erase that period next to perfect cinema and put another explanation <laughs> and explain how that is different than the other thing. Right, yeah. It kind like, of redefines yeah, what
1: yeah. you love about f- film yeah, or I mean, what's possible with possible. I film. mean,
0: we'll talk about it later in this episode, but like, we have two films, at least I have two films in my favorites of the year that are perfect in my mind but are vastly fucking different mm. in execution, in its approach, what it's trying to do, yeah, and like especially scale as well, budget-wise, but man... I, both of them were just like really hit a spot in my body that is like I need this high oh. again. <laughs>
1: so okay, so what's the other one cuz I know one of them's morbius.
0: <laughs> you motherfucker. <laughs> For a second I was like, "Oh, do you really not know?" Is it chippendale Sonic 2? Oh, uh, yeah, it's Sonic 2. You okay. got me. Yeah, you
1: very different me. from Morbius. I see where you're coming from
0: there. Oh god.
1: Um Okay, uh, that was a great question, Matt. Really Thank you, us, you, Matt. I know we, we went off
0: on the rails, but I'm glad you asked that. It was good um, to talk about that.
1: I have kind of one more biggie, but it's a dangerous question that could get us spiraling. So, okay. uh, do you have a question? I got, I got a,
0: I got a, I got a question. I'll throw okay. out. It's from, it's from our buddy Will Jervis for another oh, yeah. podcast. Uh, love you, Will. Uh, he asks, he asked me, "What's your favorite mediocre movie? I'm talking as milk toast as possible." <laughs> Favorite
1: so, mediocre movie.
0: So I'm, I'm thinking podcast wise. I mean, if we're talking like mediocre in a like in a kind of veering on a worse sense, I'm gonna say the Looney Tunes trilogy has both for me. You got Space Jam on the worse sense. You got Back in Action on the better sense. Yeah. If you're talking films in general, the first film that came to my head was Die Hard two. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay. Die yeah.
0: Hard. Die Hard two is. I think a good film, but is absolutely just doing the first one again, just yeah. not as good. <laughs> and I, I, had, I have seen Die Hard two ten plus times, and I can't tell you why, other than I love the first Die Hard and I love Die Hard three. Yeah, it's just the the association of those two films has led me to watch two <laughs> multiple times. But that's my answer to that question. Oh
1: man, uh, okay. So favorite like mediocre movie um
0: you can think podcast too yeah i'm trying to look
1: at the podcast for inspo um i think one that i guess i i don't know that i'd admit that it's mediocre but it's certainly like probably not like doesn't have like a massively prestigious reputation Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like Uh, it's a 90s movie in all the kind of wrong ways to be a 90s movie. Yes, of course. Those are the Um, best. Would be uh, the second um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, Secret of the Ooze.
0: I actually, you know what? I would agree with that. Um, It's very,
1: like, you know, it's it's children's entertainment and nothing more. And -hmm. it's very 90s and it's very goofy and the, you know, Creature and suit effects are, like, a little bit of a downgrade from the first film.
0: parents complained about too much violence so they don't (laughs) fight with their weapons anymore. Right. It's a very, like,
1: kneecapped movie. But I I see... it's fun, and it's just ridiculous and cute. I see
0: so many lines and so many scenes in my head. I hear Shredder go, baby! (laughs) Or just, like, Donatello pretending to be, like, that punching bag at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, God... (laughs) Yeah, it's still, yeah. That's that's actually that is I think the one we can both agree on, and that's that's my podcast choice for that.
1: Yeah. Uh, be, beyond that, gosh, I'm really not sure. Um, I think uh,
0: uh, not even a superhero one. That might make it easier uh, for you. That might yeah. that might whittle it down because superhero one.
1: Maybe so. Oh, you know what? I haven't seen it in a long time. Uh huh. Actually, <laughs> this is kind of. I guess this would be a two parter. But I I haven't seen these movies in a long time. But I had a really fun time the last time I watched them. Both Ghost Rider movies oh. are not good movies. I uh, would say the first one. The first I could one's see. like yeah, fine. Um, the second one is kind of in like a so bad it's good way. That is that, definitely like doology. That's like an actual not good movie. But at the same time, it's so batshit weird that it's like <laughs> certain things that I would not give a pass in any other movie. I give a pass in that movie because it's I like have... this is a this is a coke like coke, it's a coke dream it's, like,
0: a coke, it's a coke nightmare and dream yeah it's all over the place and the
1: first film is yeah it's just kind of a mediocre like five or six out of ten superhero blockbuster from the 2000s plus but, nick cage Plus nick cage yeah. and plus fire skeleton spirit and it's like yeah. and sam you know
0: Elliott what? as fire skeleton horseman right oh, and, for like
1: 30 seconds and
0: west bentley as west bentley yeah yeah but i can't remember what his is <laughs> supposed to be is, uh. is it blackheart yeah, I he's, think that's he's, it. Black he's supposed Heart. to be a character that has a they, really cool design in the comics. Very nice. But then he's design. just
1: West Bentley. Yeah, he just goes Rawr, extra white and in skin. They, yeah,
0: they CG his face. Yeah, Did you know the Rebel Wilson's in that film. No, in Ghost Rider, she's the goth chick that Ghost Rider saves. Oh. Yes, that's Rebel Wilson. Wow. I found out randomly like a few years ago. Yeah. Weird. I need to rewatch those movies. I need, uh, yeah, I mean, honestly Need to is a strong word. As, but I, as, I as a to. duology, that would be fun to talk about. Because yeah. I've never seen Spirit of Vengeance, only clips, and I've always been, this seems like something's missing. Like <laughs> someone missed something in the edit. Why is this the cut that made it? <laughs> yeah.
1: That's a weird movie. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, thanks for the question, Will. Yeah, thank you, Will. Did you have any others? Uh, I think another one, I mean, the other one that I kind of had from my girlfriend, Jen, yeah. she. She kind of was like initially it was a general movie question, but I think just to kind of add it to more of the podcast to make it easier because as a general question, it could also be a spiral we could fall into. But (laughs) if there was a specific film in the podcast that you could choose specifically to redirect yourself in some way, shape, or form, what would it be and what would be some of the changes? I think to me, because I was thinking about this, and there's a lot of options here. To me, the first thing that came to my head was – inferno Uh, i think inferno is just a little pacing wise a little too long i feel like it is a little too disconnected in ways Mm -hmm. i think the i would tweak the main character in some way shape or form because that guy is so fucking disconnected from everything else (laughs) that's happening around him and just amp up the weirder shit yeah, like because
1: when that movie gets weird, it's it yeah, really evokes
0: the, *Suspiria*. Yeah, like, it's like this is yeah, this is giving me that same weird rush. Yeah, but. like that stretchy sheet death yeah. where like his sister falls through what yeah. shouldn't be there because it's an open hallway, <laughs> yeah. but it just dream sense dreamscape wise, yeah. it's weird. But yeah. for a film that's about like a haunted like evil hotel kind of with like a cult in it, it's really fucking boring at it times, is. and it really shouldn't be. Yeah. So that, I think that's, that's like a good choice. Yeah. I mean Inferno would be again, we talked about it in that episode, but watching someone remake Inferno like they did like with Claudino did with Suspiria would be fucking cool. Yeah. I would be down for that.
1: Um first one that comes to mind and I have kind of two different ways I would revise this, okay. uh, is TMNT twenty fourteen. Nice, nice, so nice, the, nice, nice. The the gritty Michael Bay esque mm-hmm. Michael Bay produced Reboot of the Teenage Mutant Ninja I, Turtles. I know
0: your first choice, which is Johnny Knoxville does all the turtles' voices. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> he does um, every single turtle voice. <laughs> yes. So um, you never need to know who is who. <laughs> that was yeah. Sh- they're all the same. That was anyway, the studio note. Was like it's yeah. too confusing for kids.
1: <laughs> More Johnny Knoxville. <laughs> um, yeah. On on one hand, I would, um, in general, remake that movie to. You know, if Michael Bay is the producer, that's really cool. Um, I think we both have a much higher opinion of Michael Bay than a lot of people do. Um, oh, yeah. And he's an auteur and really knows action. And I think there is something he could bring to those movies. But I think what those movies end up being, particularly the first one, is just cheap riffing on his style uh, yes. for no reason. And it's not it's not mm-hmm. creatively justified. And it doesn't really match the tone of the characters And that movie is constantly battling between like being balls to the wall, stupid, silly, and being utterly serious.
0: So, would your would your first choice base your first change would be actually have Michael Bay as a director?
1: Either that, or hire somebody to direct with more of their own flavor and just let him consult with them. Um, I think that it feels like a movie that was pushed maybe from a corporate level to be like make this more like michael bay mm-hmm. and see we hired michael bay to be here but it's not <laughs> yeah. actually Michael Bay movie. yeah uh, so yeah either either let him direct it or or get somebody who's going to bring a little bit more of themselves to it rather mm-hmm. than just aping his style um, and just in general kind of uh, tighten up the tone figure out what you're going for yeah. be gritty or be cool and the, like
0: andy said prior make johnny knoxville every single of course, turtle yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, those are all one change I would make or yeah. one way I would approach and, changing and that there's movie. a
0: scene where they all are asking for their pizza toppings <laughs> and you get, for a second, you don't see any of the turtles and you get confused as to which turtle said which topping. <laughs> so you have to well, be like, I have to guess. And all of the
1: non-turtle characters, uh, April included, would be played by other members of the jackass team. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... <laughs> um, That changes everything. The other way that I could see approaching that movie and making it a much better time is scrap it all together and make a sequel to 2007's animated TNT. Because that movie deserved a sequel.
0: Heck, that movie deserved a trilogy. And it could have been... Yeah, the sequel had every way way to be better.
1: Be even better than the first one. Because the first one, surprisingly solid. Yeah. A lot of good groundwork laid, and then they just abandoned it. Unfortunately. Um, So, yeah. Yeah, I would love to see the... The what if timeline where where that animated movie gets a trilogy.
0: Yeah. Good call. Good call. Yeah. Um Thank you, girlfriend Jen, for yeah. giving that inspiration. Jen. Um She's gonna really love that when she hears that later. <laughs> I could already see Emma hearing this in just her face as she yeah. hears me constantly say, Girlfriend Emma.
1: <laughs> okay. This, Woo, here this we go. next one could be a little bit of a doozy. We may do our, right. our best to to restrain ourselves.
0: Well, we're just hitting about the 90-minute mark, so let's just fucking go <laughs> okay. for it.
1: This one comes from Luke. Not my brother, uh, a uh, friend, Luke. Um, do you think the Marvel Cinematic Universe is going in a good direction? <laughs>
0: I mean, we've yeah, we basically <laughs> we, we've had this. this we've had so many conversations about yes. this. I think, from what we are seeing, I... That is a good question. I, I think it is, but I do think there is a little too much of what they are doing. Yeah. And, I do think and, if they cut back.
1: Right. And for me, the too much is not even so much in terms of market saturation. Although, no. Although, you know, there is an argument there yeah. that I understand. Um, for me, the too much is it seems to be eating into their kind of quality control. Yeah. Yeah. Um Agreed. And not, not to say that, you know, they're pumping out bad stuff left and right. We're both still enjoying things in general. Um, yeah. But there seems to be kind of a, a lack of consistency, and I don't mean, like, stylistically, because Marvel has rightfully gotten plenty of criticism for kind of, you know, graywashing all their movies and making them feel all kind of, you know, the same or whatever, and there's validity and non-validity to that. Yeah, idea. I... But what I'm talking about is just general. It feels like there's a little less oversight and I don't know Mm -hmm. how much of that is Kevin Feige taking a more uh, removed role in the making of each individual film and letting kind of Marvel's parliament divvy out each movie. Um, as opposed to, he used to, it used to be kind of him consulting individually on each movie. Um, Mm -hmm. And how much of it is just you know they're making so much and they're moving in so many different directions and so yeah. fast that it's like it's hard to keep all that kind of keep track of all that and make sure it's all feeling coherent because um, that's that's I think a big issue with Phase Four is like mm-hmm. w- not <laughs> not that this phase should have been about setting up the new saga because no phase it should have w- been because, because Phase One of the MCU was not about setting up the infinity war you know they weren't even there yet it was about laying the groundwork introducing all of our heroes and so when people say like oh this this phase has no direction because they didn't tell us or they're not setting up multiverse or whatever it's like i don't really care about that what i care about is laying a good foundation so that i'm interested in stories to springboard off from here and And i think a lot of cases they have done a good job of that but yeah, there's been a little bit of a lack of, like, okay, who's important here? And everybody's got their own thing that they're jumping off into, and I can't figure out how all of that is going to be relevant, you know?
0: Yeah, I think the the thing about Phase 4 that has been, I believe, the most detrimental, but not in a way where Phase 4 is bad. I yeah. do think I think Phase 4, overall quality-wise, is probably the weakest just because of the Amount of projects, mm-hmm. pertaining, and, and versus the amount of quality in certain places, and yeah, the batting average feels a little a little off. A little off. Yeah. I, again, they're still hitting it well. Sure, it's the thing that I think is. I think I, I get it. It's a it's a Disney company. It's easy to rag on Disney. Go ahead and rag on Disney. Disney has done shit. I can understand yeah. people being mad about 100%. it. A hundred percent. In general, the thing though too is. What do you think Marvel's going to do when they basically have the control of the market? Because yeah. let's not even – if you want to pretend that DC has even a fraction of what Marvel is doing, you obviously have been under the rock since the Discovery merger <laughs> happened because it's pretty clear that DC is still, like, just lucky to have creators that are involved that are making stuff like Harley Quinn, Peacemaker or like even doing Juan with Aquaman just or Shazam yeah. like with Sam like it's it's very clear that like Marvel just doesn't have any genuine competition and they're being told from different sides. I there are friends that I have and that we both have that are just like there's too much stuff. Marvel's doing too much, I'm done. I can't watch anything else. <laughs> it's like, okay, that's totally fine. There is a lot going on. Then there's also friends that I have that go like, "God, I can't wait for the next thing. I hope they don't make me wait longer for the next right, thing." Right. And it's like two different things. Yeah. Phase four pretty much feels like since the Disney Plus stuff has worked so far for them, very much like they're having their cake and eating it too, and not realizing that that could probably be bad for their carbon take. Yeah. And so like I hope, and I I think I agree. With, I agree with Andy too that it's like it is... A quality control thing where it's like I do believe that Feige is involved in every single project but since there's so many projects there's only so much involvement that he could have Yeah. and with the amount of VFX they're doing not even movies anymore but per show Yeah. like it's very clear that like as much as like I am genuinely excited to see She-Hulk hopefully do well I'm excited to see the other stuff come up like everything they introduced and like they I mean I yeah, mean, just about everything they announced you know like, a few weeks back. It's it like cool. Yeah, cool. I want
1: to like my fan brains and fan hearts were like, "Yes, yeah. I want to see all this stuff on the big screen. That'd be awesome." Yeah. At the same time, let's be careful.
0: <laughs> yeah, so it's it's I I do think I hope I I do hope that they hear the criticism and not think it's just like they're they're done with Marvel. I I, I think a lot of it is just like they're going in the right direction, but I think they're going a little bit too above the speed limit. I yeah. think they need to pull it back Yeah, take... as a fan. Just, like, again, like, yeah. I understand. They have, like, basically they are the superhero. Yeah, they basically have the superhero market. They're the name superheroes right yeah. now. But, like, that doesn't mean you have to have a parade every four months. Right. That means you can probably take a few breaks and work yeah. on the stuff that people want to see. and. Right. And
1: I understand why they're going so much all at once and oh, trying yeah. to pump it out Because it's like, I mean, even aside from the business perspective of like, we want to stay in the public consciousness. We can go on and on about the, the cynical aspect of that all we want. But no, yeah. the other element is like, you know, if you've watched the MCU so far, you know how closely they've kind of... Uh, tried to kind of emulate the storytelling format of comics and how you've got all these different stories operating kind of at the same time that weave together and back apart and back together at various points to create kind of culminations and side Mm ventures and that sort of thing. And it's clear they've reached a point where they, you know, they have enough momentum. They have more than enough money that, you know, they can kind of start to build out that comic book world into something that resembles a comic book world, I mean, which is hundreds, thousands of characters, yeah. you know, and that's kind of what, that's their model, you know, and that's and, kind and of what they're trying to emulate. So I, it's like.
0: I do think to an extent too, they've already kind of been able to do the aspect of a fan that is like, oh, I only want to read this comic. Every you're right, right. Because it's like, if you think about going into Endgame, you can genuinely miss Ant-Man and the Wasp if you want to. Yeah. And when Ant-Man shows up, they they make it their goal to explain a little bit of where Scott yeah, has been. right. Or like with between Civil War and Infinity War, where it's like, if you hadn't seen Black Panther, you can still be kind of amped where it's like, oh, we're actually seeing Wakanda now. Mm. Oh, so yeah, they're going to go get, you know, they're going to go get Bucky and all that. Like, it's... It's very clear that like they are aware that they are they are getting to a point. They're reaching critical mass
1: with how with their ability yeah. to kind of expose all of the missed information.
0: I feel like if Feige felt like they were getting to like the ninety saturation of comics, they would pull it back. Sure, but I think right now, I think they phase four. What is the test run for future MCU? And yeah. I think it it makes sense that it is as. Rough as it is in some places because it it leads to situations where it's like, you know, Black Widow is a film that should have been made phases ago, but unfortunately due to, you know, sexist politics in in the company and whatnot, it could ultimately, it led into a phase four film that like everyone was like, okay, but like a little little too late or like, you know.
1: Well, and kind of also not so much in pertaining to Black Widow, but several of the other MCU projects. COVID yes COVID threw a lot of things off
0: that's the thing too is like we are we are seeing
1: ruined Falcon and Winter Soldier potentially
0: phase four could ultimately be like just like that will be like yeah that was the COVID phase where it's like we could just be glad that like we got what we got right that isn't completely just kind of trashed by that era (laughs) because you can definitely see in something like Doctor Strange you can definitely see in Falcon the Winter Soldier just like very clearly like yeah yeah, changing the release date order really just (laughs) yeah Really, it is it is very similar to like if a comic was planned to be out a certain month and then got pushed back another month mm-hmm. and be like, well, shit, the, the one that we filled in that gap with, they liked that a lot more and it kind of ties <laughs> into this. we got to rewrite this now. And yeah. it's like it's going to be interesting to see. And, again, I understand that there is just, just a lot out there. I understand that. I understand it's tiresome. And I think the recommendation from that point on is just like, Go see the ones that you're interested in. Watch the shows that you're interested in. And if you feel like you get that urge again to kind of catch up. Yeah. I think you'll find out that, like, and the MCU is still doing well. It's just right. clearly trying to figure out that they can't have the Infinity War momentum again. They have to find a new type of momentum yeah. into they, this new saga.
1: They can't just, yeah, redo it. They have to make yeah. something new. Um, that wasn't too I, bad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll cap it there. <laughs> I mean, if you um, got
0: something else to say, you can't do. I just I just feel no, like it's okay, we'll, we'll we'll end up in circles. <laughs> um, uh,
1: but they're th- thank you for asking that, Luke. We oh, yeah, we thank always you, love talking about Marvel movies. Sometimes to our own detriment. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, they're very the thing too is they're very easy films. They're very easy films yeah. to discuss in terms of like because they're meant to be two degree for the for the. For the common for for the common folk for like the, the common denominator just like for mainstream and yeah. like what's great about the creators that come on board that really put their creative input in it you see little inklings of their passion inside a blockbuster like that yeah. and i think those are why you know those are when the blockbusters really shine we have a lot of examples of that in the past sure. and yeah, yeah.
1: um Okay, hey, I've got two little bonus ones from Emma that I think are fun, all fun. fun, so I'm going to okay. throw those in. Um, Emma asks, will you ever make TikToks? No. <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. Um, there are a lot of things that we, uh, you know, a lot of cool ideas, things we would like to add to the show's repertoire at some point. You know, whether that's other kinds of episodes or other kinds of multimedia content. It's really just a matter of you know, if, do we have the time and creative energies for that? Um, you know, do we add a, a video element to it? Do we do little YouTube clips? I've experimented with little short sound bites for social media before. All of that stuff I just you ticks. Got, Didn't you get pulled? did one of those yeah, clips one of them get got muted or whatever? <laughs> um, so it's just <laughs> one of those Lord. things. that There's just a lot of. Not only is it a lot of work to add anything to the repertoire, if- it's just you know, that's something else we got to keep track of. And it's like, if we're going to make it a part of our Mm -hmm. output language, then we got to
0: keep that up. If in the future we get, we start to make money off of the podcast and like in a, whether in a Patreon sense or AdSense or whatever, and we actually have a producer of some sense or shape or form and they tell us (laughs) it probably might be good for your brand to do TikToks, Then we might actually look into it. But as of right now, with what we're doing just in our personal lives as well as just like we are trying our best specifically Andy to get out posts as quick as possible in terms of new episodes and whatnot like as of right now with TikToks or now.
1: <laughs> We're not principled against TikTok necessarily. No, TikTok it's, is fun. It's more just out of our out of our realm right I, now.
0: I'm just not gonna do a dance. The, I'm just saying that now. Well, you could recreate toy, your toy story. I could. I could, and everyone would hate it. They would get flagged <laughs> for Maybe some. Maybe you go reason. viral in the wrong way.
1: Yes. Um, yes. Okay, and then one other little bonus one, this one's very pointed. Um, why don't you why won't you do the Halloween town trilogy emma, everyone knows there's only 3 that matter she
0: says emma it doesn't matter if there's only 3 that matter there are 4 films there are 4 unless films unless you want us to do the Halloween town sequels and uh, that's what we're going to do yeah i know hey. we've
1: we've talked about doing in you know in previous questions we talked about yes we have and probably will continue to do movies we're not that interested in yeah 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 on some level or another but um, i'm just
0: saying i don't know why she's pretending like there's not four films that's true there are four films You've
1: got a point there um we've
0: talked about this so many times Emma. i don't know why you have to call us out like this on the actual podcast <laughs> Uh, will, my stance stays the same. Yeah, there's
1: four, and we couldn't we couldn't pick three. I'm not saying Return uh, to
0: Halloween Town is any good. I'm just saying it is the fourth one canonically. <laughs> um,
1: so yeah, pro- probably we've also got lots of other things that would be perfect for Halloween that we'd love to do. Oh, to take priority. So, oh yes, yes. So yes. I'm sorry, but Halloween Town slim chances. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. And I think uh, I think that about rounds up our our mail time input from the audience. And, and that again, filled it up, filled it yeah, up in a
0: good way. Thank you so much again, everybody who sent in questions and asked if we could talk about this. Uh, we really, really do appreciate it because, if you couldn't tell already, fifty plus episodes, and if we like talking about movies, regardless of what we're talking about. We do love to talk about movies. In fact, regardless of what we're talking about, conspiracy theory.
1: Yeah, that too. Um,
0: yeah, but
1: yeah, yeah. Um, so, so, well, and it's just fun to to, like I said earlier, it's kind of fun to just be be stimulated by other perspectives and be asked questions that we're not going to ask ourselves. Um, or if so. we do,
0: it's like, why are we asking this ourselves? Maybe we should wait and see if someone will ask. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> or maybe we silly. should ask somebody else this question. Yeah. Um,
1: so, yes, thank you, thank you, thank you for, for giving us some structure and stubs, substance to this uh, this celebration of two years.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. And before we go, we got a couple things. I mean, I wanted to throw out, because we kind of talked about initially, when we were talking about the two-year anniversary special, throwing yeah. out. If, if you're listening to this and you haven't listened to all the episodes, totally fine. But <laughs> I wanted to throw out some of my favorite episodes yeah. and just... In no particular order, but of course Kung Fu Panda. Because <laughs> Kung Fu Panda rules. And guess what, everybody? We talked about that in an episode how we wouldn't know what a fourth one would look like and a fucking fourth one is coming out. <laughs> so you best believe we are going to talk about Kung oh, yeah. Fu Panda four when it comes out. Super excited. Another one is the fall of two D Dreamworks. That was a lot of fun that mm. we did because we love talking about just the process of each film, how it ultimately led to the demise of kind of the two D division of DreamWorks, despite, you know not the not all the films, and not really any of the films being bad, right, just about like wrong place at the wrong time, it seemed every single time <laughs> uh the before trilogy we've already talked about it, it's yes. probably our favorite trilogy we've done watch through wise, discussion wise we just love those films. uh the Fear Street trilogy, mainly because while it was fun to talk about those three films personally, that's one of my favorite trilogies because the watching experience with those were just a blast. it was yes. One of the times where we uh, it was both of our girlfriends and us watching those films together, and it was just a fun experience to watch not only you know three films together and we watched the first two back to back, but also watch these films that were coming out at like at around the same time. Like they yeah. were new releases. We were all pretty fresh on them. <laughs> and going into it is a lot of fun and also when we watched the second film the power went out and it really caught us off guard but it gave us and it was a lot of fun in that experience and yeah i'll always kind of remember that while making this episode you know also the films are really fun it's a really fun entertaining trilogy
2: yeah.
0: and then the last one is the april fool special <laughs> like if you <laughs> that one was a blast that one was so much fun i mean props to you know nick and amon for you know throwing that out there a year ago (laughs) you're right yeah and it was just a blast to kind of do that and one i mean one of the things that is just uh unfortunate that we'll never have out there because we didn't record our faces while we were doing the podcast uh it was so much fun just to watch each one of us have moments we were trying to break each other right with goofy things said straight completely straight yeah and it was great and it's a lot of fun and i can't wait to do another one like that to some degree in the future yeah but uh, yeah, do you have any of the faves to add on to that? Um, or
1: Yeah, well, I mean, one that probably always will stick out in my mind in terms of like how the episode itself turned out and the process of recording it more so than the films themselves is the Cars trilogy. Oh, uh, it was, that was early on for that us. That was but a it,
0: lot of fun. But it
1: was, it was both in format. It it was like a kind of a watershed moment for us because it was like, okay, we kind of figured out, well, you know, we could, for at least some of our trilogies, do them all in one episode and just Mm -hmm. see what that's like, evolve the discussion that way. And then also it's just such a strange franchise to get three movies cars Uh,
0: three is good yeah i I mean it's wild it's wild Um, to say out loud cars two is the worst pixar film and then cars (laughs) three is genuinely a really good time yeah and and weirdly introspective yeah (laughs) and
1: so it was fun to kind of go on that journey of these movies that we really i mean at least aside from me having kind of a personal affection for the first film (laughs) we really didn't have a lot of attachment to but there was an interesting thread there and and like Logan said, that third one surprised us. Well, and I think the second one surprised us with how bonkers and bad it was. I
0: still think of the bombing of London. <laughs> yeah. the super realistic yeah. bombing of London that just never would have expected or in a car And the
1: people dying at the beginning, yeah. or the cars dying at
0: the beginning. Also, I'm just saying right now, on like live because Andy can't stop me from saying this. Ah. There is a new Disney Plus series about oh, Cars yeah. that is basically looks like it's basically Cars four. Yeah. Now if you guys want us to do that <laughs> and talk about the show as a frequel, I'm telling you right now, I'm a hundred percent for it. I genuinely, when I saw that, just how how good Cars three was, I was like, this could be something. And even even though it is just yeah. even though it's just mater and <laughs> and lightning going to mater's sister's wedding mm-hmm. it's just like this could be something <laughs> out of all the Disney Plus Pixar things that could be happening in the future that might be the only thing <laughs> i think we could get something out of as of right now but and yet you won't
1: do planes with me <laughs> i have to do that as a solo free. episode there's not
0: Freakwall Logan, just there's like the two, Cars show. There's two. There's planes and planes fire and rescue. So,
1: talking we, about Ghost Rider duology. We, we can't do planes.
0: Okay, if we, I'll make. I'll think of a deal about planes. <laughs> okay. I mean, um, at this point, we've done. We've done. After Jurassic World, I think. After Dominion, I think I might be <laughs> down for maybe planes.
1: After what we've been through. After what we've been through. Um, but, uh, and, and and then another one that. Uh, Sticks out for me the uh, just a combination of really good movies and really fun discussion, and it was in the midst of kind of a, s- a series we were we were running uh, the Evil Dead trilogy. Yes. Those are I good. I those I was those were new to me and oh, not yeah. at all new to you. Oh yeah, um, No. And we both came away. You came away still loving them, and I yes. came away freshly loving them. Uh, and, and it was really fun to discuss those, especially in the context of the greater Spring Rainy. of Raimi. Yeah. Um, Which
0: we also yeah. have, I mean, Evil Dead Rise and also the Evil Dead Remake. Yeah. We could talk about in the future if right. we needed to, but those are also... I mean, the Evil Dead Remake is actually a lot of fun. Yeah? Yeah. It's yeah. also fucking gruesome. <laughs> <laughs> so I've heard. To, to a degree of just like, wow. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's I do have a category that is called least favorite episodes. Now here's the thing. This is these are not episodes that I disliked in terms of what what we brought like recording wise. These are the film these are the episodes where like the process to getting the information for these episodes was hard because the films themselves were not very good. Yeah. Uh in no particular order. Of the SpongeBob SquarePants trilogy. Mm. Uh, we both love that first film, but the sequels, quote unquote, are uh, rough. Yeah. Very rough. Uninspired. Uninspired. When that third one really had a chance, it really just decides to be a camp choral advertisement, and there's yeah. no reason to be that. Uh, the Nutcracker trilogy, that is one that highly recommend you listen to and never watch any of the three films we <laughs> talked about there. Uh, Jurassic World, it's so new. It, like, it's one of our latest episodes. You'll know why. Dominion. Uh, Black Christmas. Oh, yeah. That is one. We that would one, at also, least the first one. At least the first one. was a nice surprise.
1: One. Gonna, yeah.
0: But here's the thing. If we're talking about three films where the oldest one, made in the 70s, is the most progressive <laughs> of the three, that gives you enough to understand kind of how the other two fail in certain ways. Yeah. But, uh... And then the last one is actually the only prequel of these lists, but uh, the Exorcist prequels. Yeah, those, those were, were fucking painful. Yeah, super hard to do. Uh, genuinely, because both films are not, both versions of the same film are not very good. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Uh. Anything else you want to add to like uh heart quote unquote harrowing experiences <laughs> while recording?
1: Um. Definitely. I mean. Again, this is kind of like my favorite, um, very early on, but will forever be burned in my brain is the Nutcracker trilogy. Yes, of course. That one was just a, a slog. Um, and then, uh, gosh, I just had one, and I'm forgetting it now. This is what tends to happen: is the movies that don't make a huge impression, or I don't yeah, have a they, ton they to they say. Go they fade from memory. And That's you why I wrote it down.
0: I, um, I had, I literally, when I saw Black Christmas, I went, oh. That's right. Oh yeah. that will be put on the list. Yeah. Um uh, the the Batman
1: the nineties Batman trilogy I think we, i I don't really have a problem with like how the episode turned out. Um yeah. I enjoyed talking about those with you. But I was really hoping kind of rewatching those movies. I mean Batman Returns is still an interesting movie. Um, yeah,
0: I like that one more than you did, and the, it's understandable. It's a weird fucking movie. Yeah,
1: <laughs> but uh, Forever and Batman and Robin, I was really hoping to come away with those with like a new appreciation for me, them. Yeah, me too. And I just really didn't, and I no. didn't have much to say that I hadn't already thought about the movies before, <laughs> um, and so there was just kind of a lack of I don't know, discovery there's, in there's, that episode.
0: There's a David Lynch interview where he talks about, like, one of the only times he talked to George Lucas when he was possibly in the running for Return of the Jedi. And, like, when he was discussing, like, the Ewoks and shit, like, Lynch had, like, a ringing or a numbness in his brain that really hurt and made him queasy. That's kind of how I felt when we watched Batman and Robin. Where at a certain point, I was like, this isn't fun anymore. I, my he, brain hurty, and I yeah. just need this to be done. Yeah. Uh,
1: uh, uh, man, yeah, th-
0: you're, you
1: hit something though with, with Black Christmas, specifically Black Xmas. The, oh, the two thousands remake. The middle
0: one is, I think, by far the most offensive thing we've watched for the show. Yeah. it is astounding. Just intellectually offensive. Like Yeah, an assault on the brain. It's so gross too, but not in a, like <laughs> a fun, goofy way. Not in an Evil not Dead, like dead an way, impressive way yeah. either. It's just gross because it can be. Yeah. And it's like yucky. No. <laughs> and cheap, too. It makes Tromeo and Juliet look sophisticated in places. And that's <laughs> saying a lot. Or at least creative.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, those are probably my low points for but us.
0: But still, the, because of that, don't watch the movies. Watch, listen to the episode. Yeah, the episode's much more interesting. We, than the movies. we suffered, so you didn't have to in those regards. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and because they and would we lead will to continue fun episodes. to do so. Yeah, but uh, I think one of the last things before we talk about our next episode, yeah. I didn't. we can speed around this, but. Sure. You know, it's now, it's August. We're now eight months into the year. Oh, and, yeah. you know, you've had this for a little while, longer than I have. I think you actually might have had it a month more. But we kind of now have, like, our five, some of our five faves of the year. Oh, we don't sure. we don't have, like, an actual list list, per se. Because, again, the year isn't done yet. Not right. even a lot of good shit is still have yet to come out. But I just want to throw to you first, like, what oh, are five sure. films you want people to check out?
1: Oh, five films I think people should check out. Um... So I'll you know what I'll just go with my kind of current. I have an ongoing list that I kind of update throughout the year and shift around, mm-hmm. um, and I'll kind of just go my, my top five from there, just because I think these are all movies that, if you haven't seen them, you definitely should. Some of them you probably have seen, but um, regardless, uh, I think Cha Cha Real Smooth. The, oh, the that's right. That's on Apple TV. Yeah, Plus. second film from Cooper Reif. Uh, after his his debut with uh, Shithouse a couple years ago. Um, just a really solid... He's just got a really interesting um, tap into kind of just that early 20s, kind of the adulting phase, you know, yeah. where the... the young millennials and older gen z's are just kind of, you know, view as hell. Um, and gen
0: xers probably roll their eyes at understandably yeah. so. Um, but. but
1: he's got a very interesting finger on the pulse of that and I just really like how he captures relationships and that sort of thing. Um another one would be uh, or do you want to alternate or do you want me to just give you No, go mine. all okay. the way through. Um after Yang uh, Still need to see that the I believe second the sophomore directorial effort by kogonada which is insane because that man is. <sighs> yeah, uh, his first film, Columbus, is amazing for a lot of reasons. Yeah, I'm, we're also slightly biased because it was shot and is set in our hometown, but I mean, it's it just makes, a great it, movie regardless. It
0: makes our hometown look. fucking gorgeous which is we never will we never could have thought of that (laughs) it's one of those things where you you definitely need to have an outsider's lens of a place to really capture the beauty of places like yeah yeah especially in your hometown
1: um but after yang is his follow-up and it's it's just one of those movies that's that's kind of reaching for a lot of really beautiful nebulous things and it's it's a simple movie on paper but incredibly nuanced and complex and thoughtful in at on every other level. And, mm-hmm. and there's just, I mean, Colin Farrell's amazing in it. Um, everybody's amazing in that movie and it's just gorgeous to look at too. Um, and I just can't wait for him to keep making more stuff cause that yeah. movie's so awesome. Yeah. Um, then th- two, two obvious ones that I think a lot of people have seen and rave about, uh, everything, everywhere, all at once uh just see it it's a movie about being kind to people and it's also a movie about the multiverse and it's just a bonkers gonzo mm. movie that like isn't a blockbuster
0: no but like it's like 15 feels million. like it should
1: be yeah um
0: hopefully we'll also start the kihi quanaissance that i hope so yes. you know, that man yeah i mean everyone in that film i think is a standout but that man just seeing him come back yeah. Just hearing the story as to why he's back and wanted to be in that film is just—it makes it even more emotional to see him yeah. play just so, so good. Well, that, yeah, so good.
1: that movie is such a like—it's a justice for campaign for both Michelle Yeoh and Keanu Quan. Yes, um, yes. Just like give them their due; they deserve it. Here's why. Yeah. Um, the next kind of a big popular one, Top Gun Maverick. That's just a. I, it's it's blockbuster convention done with the most aplomb and bombast you could ask for it's a legacy sequel that honors the original while also improving on it in literally every single way it's
0: astounding just to see after the tragedy about what happened to tony scott the amount of years that this film was in hell and just the fact that it's like cruise is understandably a controversial figure right (laughs) in a lot of ways outside of movies very controversial. That being said, holy shit.
1: That man makes fucking movies.
0: He is still a movie star, and it is it is infuriating just how natural it seems for him just to, like, go for it. Yeah. It just in a movie star sense. And actually, it it is, and I know it's going to be, this might be a hot take for both of us to say, but I think one of my favorite takes about the film is it's like, it's like if Top Gun was good. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, I mean, Top Gun, I enjoy that film a lot. It's a, yeah, it's, it it's is, a fun time. It is a fun time, but to say that film is great, in my opinion, yeah. it, has it has dated. It lot. Of, yeah, there's a lot of nostalgia tied to it. And with Maverick, of course, there's also a lot of nostalgia sure. tied to that. But the filmmaking in that film, I feel like if Tony Scott were still alive today and wasn't involved, like, it just feels like the perfect, like, homage to Scott yeah. as a director. Yeah, yeah. And see, and just to see Joseph Kaczynski, who is, I mean, loved his work on Tron Legacy. I think Oblivion looks really good, even though I'm not the biggest fan of that film. Like the man is still kind of, I think, finding his groove in terms of what, you know, Hollywood's able to let him do, especially with, it seems like he does really well with big budgets. The fact that he gets on Top Gun and just like kills it, that's good. I'm glad for him. He also Um, had a film that came out on Netflix, but I don't think anyone watched that.
1: Oh, yeah. The Chris Chris Hemsworth Hemsworth movie. And also Miles Teller,
0: but no mustache.
1: Right, yeah. Um, Um, And then the last one I I have to throw out, and this is a everyone must see this movie. (laughs) If you don't, you're wrong. (laughs) Um, If you don't see this movie, you have no excuse. Um, RRR. It's a a Tollywood film, a Telugu language film from India, three-hour action musical biopic epic about two guys facing down the British Empire um, caught on kind of opposite sides of a conflict. And it's just, it's wholesome, it's passionate, it's joyous, it spills over uh, with, with just love and fun and it's ridiculous and the action is beautifully choreographed mm-hmm. uh, It's it's got a 70 million dollar budget and puts most 200 million dollar budgets <laughs> to shame um, just the
0: commitment to some of the yeah. effects are just great commitment to the effects,
1: commitment to the emotional themes uh-huh. commitment to the anti imperialism yeah. it. it's just just a phenomenal phenomenal movie and I've yet to come across someone who's watched it and didn't like it.
0: Yeah. Logan? Oh, I mean, <laughs> the funny thing is is I mean, I'll go through again, you probably this, have some overlap. Yeah, we we have a lot of overlap. <laughs> but I'll go with the two that aren't overlapped, which yeah. is uh I guess in a rough sense, my number 5 would be Turning Red. Oh yeah. Turning Red for me is just a, a film that for some reason hit me it hit a pulse in a way that a Pixar film just hasn't done in a while. Like I just think like Soul is great. I think Soul is great and I think does a really good job and I do think while I, I think I'm gonna I s i have softened on the film since it initially came out, I do think Pixar is in a good spot to really push their new creative like lenses and especially people who are just been working on the shorts for years and really yeah. show their p- potential. Try different stuff. So of course with Domi she coming out of the gate after winning an Oscar for her phenomenal wonderful cute short bow years ago comes out with the most 2000s most canadian (laughs) most just just so good it's such a good like pubescent film about just like learning about yourself and learning just about like not being ashamed of who you are and not being ashamed of your family but just understanding to stand up for yourself and just to Constantly just admit that you are learning and you are growing and that you will make mistakes, but that doesn't mean you can't uh, keep being yourself. It's just such a good film. Mm. It caught me off guard. And I, yeah. I'm excited. about And also, the score slaps. I think the score is great. Oh, yeah. Very, I mean, I think it's Ludwig Göransson. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who is just, I mean, pick a big film. <laughs> pick a big <laughs> project. That man's now, been involved. Yeah. I mean, he is killing it right now. And I think... His Turning Red theme, I lis- I've listened to on repeat many days. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, I would say, my number five. My number four is Nope. Yeah. Nope is just, I love where Peel is going. I don't know if the, I mean, it, I hope that the consistency is still there, but I just really love the fact that, like, Get Out is great. I think, I think Us is great in a vastly different way, and I think yeah. Nope is great in a vastly different way, and I think has taken... A lot of the criticisms he got from both us and also saw what people liked about Get Out and was able to do a way of just kind of mixing the best of both worlds enough with Nope to the point where I just think that like – I think Nope right now, understandably, there are a lot of people that are caught off guard because the film is not horror. There are horror scenes and horror elements at times, but it really is – closer to a sci-fi western blockbuster than yeah, it is It's
1: kind of an to, adventure thriller
0: yeah it's closer to jaws than get right, out right. but even it, lighter on
1: horror than jaws yeah
0: but i i just think in the next couple years it'll really just hopefully people will give it you know another rewatch and just be like damn that was just good like mm. that's just a good time and then of course unsurprisingly i have top Gun maverick <laughs> uh again it is it's understandable It's like when it comes to Cruz, he is (laughs) controversial to say the least. But my god, like Andy said, it is just it has been a long time since I've seen a film in IMAX affect me that much, right? Like, IMAX is a cool thing to especially have, especially when you have a list like we do. Yeah, (laughs) we spend 20 bucks a month just to go see a film and like have it oh, like maybe this thing in imax would be really cool and then most times like yeah it's cool but like did it need to be
1: imax doesn't need to be
0: imax <laughs> top good maverick and imax is insane yeah it just like you 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 feel like you were losing oxygen in your brain at the same <laughs> time everyone else is at times and it's just like the the immersion is something that i haven't seen in imax in the longest right. time and i really did appreciate that It's also one of the first times I'd ever seen a theater that packed for something that wasn't a Fast and Furious or Marvel film. So, you know, I'm kind of glad that, like, some people went to... I mean, a lot of people went to go see it. Yeah. And, you know, I'm glad that, like, you know, it was a long-awaited sequel that is absolutely better than the first film. Yeah. And does a good job with what it's given. Uh, Number two is, of course, RRR. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... My number one is Everything Everywhere All at Once. My number two is RRR. These are the only two films this year I give a 5 out of 5. Yeah, RRR is a 5 out of 5 because of everything Andy said. It is a 30-minute film that feels like it's 90 minutes. a three-hour film. Yeah, a three-hour film (laughs) that feels like it's, uh, thank you, that is is 90 minutes. Um, It is a film where I was genuinely screaming so consistently that my throat was sore and we hadn't even hit intermission yet. And then when we came back from intermission, it just went back into being insane yeah. and bombastic and a blast. And not only is it just silly and intense and weird, it is also genuinely engaging, immersive, well-acted, well-directed. Yeah. Looks great and is by far nowhere near what I thought it was budget-wise. <laughs> right. It still was, it's like Andy said, it's 70000000 million. Doesn't look like it. Um <laughs> It is there's a there's a Hindi dub on Netflix currently. I highly recommend watching it with the biggest group you can get. Yeah, and just going get all your and, friends together. going in blind and just take letting it take you away. Don't <laughs> overthink it. Yeah, just let it take you. And you really will just experience something truly magical. Yeah. don't even bother yeah. with
1: like trailers. Just no. No, no, no. This, we gave you more information than you, and you need. really should. Um, uh,
0: and then with everything everywhere all at once, uh, I cried twice. Mm-hmm. I think about it almost every other week. It is, it is right now. Like we talked about earlier about films you get every year that really just stick with you. As of right now, that is still yeah. that film to me because sure. it, it is a film that is has equally nihilistic moments that make perfect sense, but also gives into the really just beauti- the beauty of life as well as the yeah just the crazy kind of you know uselessness of life. Where it's like the exist existence doesn't have a purpose and it's in- interesting to see both sides of that coin as to yeah. how you respond well, to it's that. It's such a yeah on such top a, of just a wacky film.
1: Right. Yeah. It's such a yeah, good and pure perspective or or encapsulation of yeah, that like lighter side of the coin that is nihilism.
0: Yeah like the Sure, sure, buy into Nihilism, mm-hmm.
1: but that doesn't have to be bleak. Yeah, like, it's,
0: there's a reason why this is A24's biggest film. Mm-hmm. Like, it really is just, it just a film... It's hitting people. If, it just, if you just let it take you away, like RRR, in a, in a vastly different sense, it is just a film that shows you, like I said earlier, it'll make you look at your idea in your brain of what perfect cinema or a perfect film is, and then you'll just erase that period and you'll (laughs) add this to it as well because it really is just it really is it's one of those films you go god damn i'm so glad there's a film like this this year yeah and yeah that is our anniversary special (laughs) happy two years happy two years (laughs) and what better way to be over two like to be over two years now than be over two hours long (laughs) there you go next (laughs) year will be three but here's the thing I'm glad you've all stayed to this point. Hopefully all of you have stayed to this degree <laughs> or have taken turns in between drives or maybe, you know, getting coffee or however you listen to our podcast. Maybe you listen on two times we, speed. That's yeah. okay, too. Oh, my girlfriend does that. <laughs> and I understand. It's I get it. It's a lot of fun to hear it super fast. Yeah. We appreciate it regardless. But now it's time to talk about our next episode. Yes. And our next episode on September 3rd in honor of Amazon's Lord of the Rings show. We are covering... The Hobbit Trilogy. Yeah. We are covering the unexpected journey, the desolation of Smog, and the Battle of the Five Armies with our very first guest, not involved with an April Fool's special, and that is our friend, Adam.
1: Yes, Adam LeClaire, a good friend of us both. Um, yes. And also a just exuberantly passionate and knowledgeable person on all things Tolkien, um, so we, we thought he'd be the, the perfect person to talk about the strangest contribution to, or one of the strangest contributions to uh, Tolkien media.
0: It is going to be fascinating to see how long this episode will, this upcoming episode will be. <laughs> because we're going to be talking about, at minimum, six hours worth of yes. film. And it, there is a lot to deconstruct and critique yeah. as well as talk about.
1: Not only would there be a lot to unpack just for Logan and I, but we're also going to have someone on hand who can, can. Pull end- I there. do not mean this critically, talk endlessly about Tolkien. Yeah. He's and a just, font of knowledge and a font of passion.
0: of course, like we said prior, the Lord of the Rings trilogy is so perfect, we would never talk about that because it's already kind of been <laughs> done to death. Yeah. However... If you have a trilogy that's in the Tolkien universe, in the Middle Earth, and is of course very flawed in places, <laughs> and in honor of recent events or in, term, in honor of recent releases, yeah. going to be, we thought it might be fun to kind of get everyone, get ourselves amped up to get kind back of into see, that world. yeah, get back in that world, even though it is much earlier, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very different wise. period
1: than the Amazon Yeah,
0: show. so we we are very excited to do the Hobbit trilogy, and again, it'll be September third. Mm-hmm. So. Tune in then for our Hobbit Trilogy with our very first guest, which we're so excited about. Mm -hmm. Ah, can't wait. But again, I'm Logan Sowash. And I'm Andy Carr. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.